at wow cool tweets what's the stupidest thing you've ever done Ooh, see, we don't have time for this. It's like a spam. Uh, no, he's um, tweeted before. Okay. I mean, the most awesome thing I've ever done is I had old Smokey by the collar head in my car in 1990. <laughs> uh, no, 1989. Seriously, that's a true story. And the I got called. I got called and was invited not to come back. Hey there, my name is Scott Duvall, and you're listening to episode 185 of the Wait and Since Last Saturday podcast. This is our long-awaited 2019 Georgia football preview show, and also serves as our longest podcast recording ever. It clocks in over two hours. So, real quick, the first half of this episode is the three of us sharing our thoughts on Georgia's offense, defense, and special teams. And the latter half, which is what makes our show so long, but it's very good, is us reading and answering all of your questions submitted via Twitter, Instagram, and email. We're about to jump into the show, but I wanted to remind you to make sure and sign up for our Fun Office Pools Pick'em Contest right now because the Florida versus Miami game is this weekend, and it's on the board. And with some amazing prizes going to the season winner, you don't want to miss out on these potential points. So the link is in the show notes of this episode to sign up. So without any further delay, here's our 2019 Georgia Bulldogs football season preview show. How are we feeling, guys? But, this is the actual God, season preview. I just said I was kind of nervous. Mm, mm, but no. then Tony reminded me all of our listeners did our work for nope. us. So. Nope. This was the idea. This is the if idea. If I was any better, I'd, but you had to like organize it. I did. And that's why we got into fonts because I was saying that when I would copy and paste from Twitter, it was like a 14 and a half Futura font or whatever it is. And I wanted it all Arial at 11 point. And so I had to, you know, conform it. I, I, had, I was gone beginnings. I had to go pick up my uh, shout out to Vance, by the way, at Bulldog Illustrated. I had to go pick up my copy oh, cool. of the Bulldog yeah. uh, preview. It's my goal of mine to eventually knock out Dantzler and just write everything for this. Or at least get like a column. <laughs> Maybe we could well, do can, a trade. I can, I can hook you up with Vance and uh, Sherry. So yeah, Van, I mean, Vance is my neighbor. He lives oh, just down, I guess he does. Vance lives yeah. just down the road from me. He has I'm, two very awesome dogs. I, um, way back in the day, went to high school with his siblings. Or not high school, did student, ad, actually, um, student council activities yeah. with his siblings, so so good times. But yes, so uh, I, I'm I'm getting excited. We're already getting our all of our travel plans figured out for Vanderbilt and like where we're going to meet and where we're going to tailgate and. I mean, you and who? And my family. Oh yeah, yes. yeah. Tony and I are like. Yeah, what? No, yeah, I'll be at the lake. Yeah. yeah. My first trip to uh, the historic college football stadium that is Vanderbilt. You're going to love Memorial that uh, stadium. He's going to love Jason Aldean's rooftop bar. He's going to dude, send me a, not send me a Snapchat from there. He is going to love the foghorn they use. I've actually never spent an evening in Nashville. I've, yeah. I've, they have these uh, like little trolleys that you can have, pedal and drink on, and there's like six on, pedals. Dude, that's you, I, that sounds like Thailand, actually. <laughs> no, it's Nashville. <laughs> well, it's funny. They have those in Savannah, which I think is the worst idea ever because – you know, the charm of that is you get to be outside drinking a beer. Let's put aside the fact that you're paying someone else for you to pedal your own ass around town. <laughs> you literally can walk around Savannah holding your own drink. Why do I need to be on a bicycle made for 20? It makes no sense to me. Yeah. I also have a, do you guys know my thoughts about scooters? No. Oh, hey, you scooters. know what? Something funny happened. I share your thoughts on scooters. Yeah, screw those things. I mean, honestly. I used to, you know, because a lot of times I like to be the contrarian to Will. 
But and at oh, first on scooters, I I was kind of like, oh come on, Will, you're being. A, but after going to Austin, Texas, and almost getting run over by about five of them, hundreds of times. Yes, hundreds of times. Uh, they, they should they, be. They theoretically are not a terrible idea. But if they had practice, a dedicated lane, yeah, or 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 if like I don't think that would matter because they would people would just sure or anything, or people weren't dill holes. Right, that's the problem. <laughs> is that like the problem with the scooters? Uh, shout out to UJ Carey who is clawing her eyes out because oh, I've had this, she and Barry I've had this conversation with her many many times. Did, uh, is she? Pro scooter? She is pro scooter. Uh, I know. Carrie, come on. And to be fair, I think Carrie actually does follow the rules of the road. You don't die on the sidewalk. You don't, uh, you, you, you recognize that you are essentially, you know, you're a bike. You're a bike. Yeah. But the problem is, is people, I have my problems with people on bikes, but like generally speaking, if you have a bike, you at least understand what you're supposed to be doing because you have a bike. When you are on one of those scooters, you're just like, oh, no, maybe I'll get there faster if I just. Give my information to this go, nameless Russian company. Go and then, faster. And then I'll just go faster. And they don't they don't pay attention to what they're doing. They don't know how to drive them. They do it on the sidewalk. Then when they're done, they just throw them on the ground. They are a nuisance. To be I, fair, Will, that's you kicking them over. That, I, no, <laughs> when they are on the ground, I do hit that. No, I don't do it anymore, though. And it's funny. This is the last thing I'll mention on this. Uh, we had our yearly um, – I mentioned this last year. We had our yearly Burtis Downs, my friend Burtis Downs. Oh, I saw your had, performance. Had his Excellent. yearly – had his annual birthday uh, thing. It was for the uh, uh, Athens Anti-Discrimination Movement as is, is the charity that uh, that he uh, we all supported that night. And it was very, very fun. The, two years ago uh, – a year ago, we did U2. And I uh, this year, we did Tom Petty. I did uh, – I need to know. I got my Tom Petty outfit. I have my first ever jean jacket. I've been wanting a jean jacket my entire life. I got to wear it. But I will say, one of the performers, in addition to the mayor of Winterville, uh, Dodd Farrell, who I did speak to, and I did ask him. I will see would, him on Sunday. If he would welcome my parents into the town, because my parents are Winterville residents now. But uh, also, uh, Kelly Gertz, the mayor of Athens, also performed. And I will confess, I know him a little bit, because he's, his kid's in little, the same little league as uh, William is. I took him aside, and I said, so the scooters are staying gone, right? <laughs> and he's like, well, I don't have that power, but trust me, I think you're going to be okay because the students are back. And I figure yeah. if, the, if the scooters were going to be back this year, they would have preceded the students or would already be here. So there are no scooters on campus. There are no scooters on campus and thank heavens for that. Yeah. Now, what if you buy your own? Still not not allowed. Like if you get a boosted board scooter. No, I think you can. I think if you yeah, have your own, you can do whatever you okay. want to with it. But you... So if you have your you own, wear a helmet and you yeah. should obey the rules no, of the road. You, and if you, you have your own, you will take it home at the end <laughs> yeah. of the day. And not leave it in yeah. leaving in the middle of the street. All right. So um, should we just jump on in now? I did I did curate all these. Yeah. I did not put them in any order whatsoever. Well, any, ju- just to frame what hmm. we're doing, okay, yeah, we all had yeah. this wonderful idea of engaging our readers by asking our readers to basically drive what our Georgia preview would be. Listeners. Listeners, readers. Okay. They're very they smart They have people. to be able to read to download the podcast. They are very smart people, Scott. This is not an Auburn podcast. It's not an Auburn podcast, which is actually just two guys with a bullhorn and a color and crayon. Um, <laughs> making fart noises. Making fart noises. Nothing against making fart noises. And worshiping a tree. <laughs> so um, well, New trees. Brand new baby trees. <laughs> um, so... We have received how many questions, Scott? Like over 40. Over 40. How many of them are about uniforms? Let's dispose of those now. Less than 3%. Okay. So what you're saying is is there's two questions. There's maybe. I don't know. I can't do that kind of percentage (laughs) conversion. So... How do we want to do this? Do you have? So Scott, I feel, how do you have them group? I'm going to do whatever y'all would like to do. Well, okay. Well, I think what we should do is uh, first off, let's do a general okay overview Perfect. before we get into the questions. I, think I, that assume, good. I assume the questions are not, "Hey, how do you think Georgia's going to do this year?" or "Hey, 
They are Georgia-related. Yeah, I'm sure they're Georgia-related, but I'm, I assume they're more granular and or specific. So right? before we do our kind of catch-up, our own little preview... We're still not doing hashtags, dude. We're going to go... <laughs> Uh, the way I'm going to do this is I'm just going to go through. We actually got emails to our WSLS podcast at gmail.com inbox. So I'll read those first and then we'll get into the Instagram okay. questions. We got some questions on Instagram because we are very popular on Instagram. And then the Twitter. And the Twitter's just kept on coming. But these aren't curated by like questions about offense or questions no, about. Of course oh, not. Okay. No. And then we have a okay. couple reviews. That, that was actually what I did ask for. Yeah, this I know. But, it, you know. <laughs> it's, it's, I mean, that, that would be the way a preview would work. Sure. We'd have offense and then there would be questions sure. about the offense. No, this is going to be like scattered, smothered, and covered. Yeah, see, that's that. We'll, well, just, then, we'll just fire the intern. So I suddenly don't feel like my idea is that good anymore. It's a great idea. <laughs> <laughs> because it's just going to be all over the place. It is. So, uh, well, in that case, let's do it. So it's like a Jackson Pollock. So let's do an overarching. It's about the notes you don't play. And then maybe we'll. We'll answer some that then come in and we'll be like, dude, yeah. we answered that. Yes. Thanks okay, for the question. Fair enough. Fair enough. Well, Sorry, going commando at four. Right. Let's do our general overarching discussion. I talked a little bit about this uh, in our spotlight series with Seth Emerson. Uh, he, um, who is who is not officially who is not officially writing a book about Georgia, and therefore, as you may have listened you to the podcast, you cannot prove that. Yes, uh, he's like I, he told me not to mention it. He was like, just say if someone if someone if were someone saying, were, to be writing, were writing, a writing a book, I was like, all right, dude. Well, you just kind of <laughs> said it. Um, but anyway, so one of the things we talked about, uh, and that he, you know, Seth is a great reporter, and uh, like the platonic ideal of a beat reporter, but I think, as with all beat reporters, he can't help but be maybe closer to the team and the people in charge of the team and the coaches and administration than necessarily the fans. The fans are people you answer questions of as opposed to actually being one of, and so one of the things I think Seth uh, I have to say, I, Seth and I maybe disagree a little bit on, Seth looks at what George is doing and says this is exactly what this was all about, right? Like he is—they're becoming the Alabama. They're trying. They're like this is the fourth. This is the fourth year. This is year four. This should be the first real run of just Kirby recruits. And you're seeing it. You're seeing it with the depth. You're seeing it with across the board. And so, no reasonable fan could possibly be upset with what's happening. Honestly, right? Like, you, like it's, it's, this is what we wanted. The level of talent is so much higher than it was during the Richter era. And then there, there are three teams, universally assumed, the three best teams in the country are the last defending champs for the last three years and Georgia. Right. Mm-hmm. That, what a place to be. Yes. What an incredible place to be. That's amazing. Remember when we were all excited they got ranked again? They were 12 going into the year that they made the national championship game. We were like, wow, can we live up to that? Like, this is exciting. This is really, really exciting. What I would argue on the fan side is, as I kind of touched on with him, once they had 2017, the bar was at a point that, like, you have to do that all the time now. Or you have to get over the Alabama hump. And the idea that was just a year and a half ago that Georgia made the SEC championship game and we were elated, finally. We took revenge on all these teams that were, Missouri was in our spot or Florida was in our spot. This crap, this is our spot. We were so late to be there. And a year and a half later, if they just make it to the SEC championship game, we're going to be like, what a disappointing year. <clears throat> and that is reasonable. And that's, those are the standards that were set. That's why you brought in Kirby Smart. That's why they put all the investment into in, in the football camp in the first place. But when you do that, that sets expectations. And more to the point, it accelerates the timetable. And at a certain level, I'm not saying anyone's in trouble. I'm not saying that. But 
Oh, let's talk about this with the with St. Louis Cardinals. They won the World Series in 2011. In 2012, they uh, won the World Series in 2013, went to the NLCS and lost in 2014, went to the NLDS and lost in 2015, missed the playoffs in 2016, had a worse record in 2017, and a worse record in 2018. And fired their manager. All, listen, all of those years were good, by the way. Like, if you're a fan of the Seattle Mariners or the Illinois Fighting Illini, you're elated to have any of those years. But when you are a fan that follows these things and has expectations, and I would argue Georgia's expectations are far higher than St. Louis expectations because we've won championships in the last 20 years. And whereas Georgia, on one hand, yes, wow, look where they are. On the other hand, they made it to here in 2017 and then they didn't make it as far in 2018. So what if they don't make it as far in 2019? That affects the psychology of a fan base, particularly with this accelerated time frame, particularly when there's a possibility that you don't even know who your quarterback's going to be next year. So my general argument is, yes, things are going incredibly well and recruiting is going great and everything is like they're building up the machine. I think this year is more important than just another year of building up the Kirby Smart machine. If they make it to the SEC championship game and lose the Alabama again, there's going to be more dissatisfaction than there is warranted. But we've learned here uh, when there is fan dissatisfaction and it is loud, it gets very loud and it makes a big difference. The one thing I, I will not argue about that is that the expectations are and probably should be at the minimum winning the East and being competitive. The one thing I would say to that in, is that I never have and never will look at seasons purely in a vacuum. It depends on what happens this year. Jake Fromm gets hurt. I do think it's different. Right? I am not in the camp of we can't go very far with Stetson Bennett as long as our running game is good and we think it's going to be good. Likewise, I don't think we're in a – if DeAndre Swift gets hurt or Samir White gets hurt, I think we will be fine in our running game. Where um, – the, 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 the one place I would push back on that is part of this narrative is driven by one game, January 1st last year. Look, we cover the spread on Texas. No one looks at last year in the same way. I just don't. I just don't uh, think they do because last year was a look. If we if we're going to be honest about this, last year was necessarily a step back year, and it's not about what we lost on the field. It's what we lost in the locker room. We didn't have the leadership on the team. We talked about it on this podcast. Yeah. And I, listen, it should have been a step back last year. It should have been a step yeah. back. And the, the fact, fact that they did we, better than they probably should have last right, year. Right. The fact that we went eleven and one. We had uh, we had more injuries last year. We had. Um, I mean, there were a lot of things that went against us last year. In a way that is uh, that's not hard to say. Now, I will agree with you. Uh, you're putting a lot of importance on a game that I didn't really think Georgia fans were really all that excited about going into. I agree with you. Oh, <laughs> so I agree like, with you. So but I, that doesn't change both the local and the national narrative. The national, um, yeah. yeah the well, national, no, I'm not, I'm national not, is national. Like, sure, but, but that also changed the local narrative, right? Because it went... They didn't look ready to play. They didn't look ready to right. play, right? Which it was gives, the first thing that we'd seen that. Maybe LSU. The tweets in didn't help before the game. All the, you know, poor mouth in Notre Dame and... That didn't help. No, it, didn't. it did not help. And but uh, the one thing, the one other thing I will say about that is that because we were doing it too, if I recall, during that yeah, game. <laughs> I'm sure, I'm sure we were. Uh, the one other thing I will add to that, Will, is that I agree with you that there will be parts of the fan base who will be like, rah, 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 "Rick this and Rick that." Okay, and, that, and I'm not. That's too extreme. I agree Obviously. with you. I agree with you. But 
I think context does matter here. Georgia goes 12-0, and loses an SEC championship game to a clearly better Alabama team, and – I assume they still make the playoffs at that. Or, and doesn't and doesn't make the playoffs because you have three undefeated teams, okay. right? I mean, how are you going to be mad with that? I, I agree. Uh, I agree. And, and I will freely admit, I may be a more reasonable fan than a lot of Georgia fans, and and maybe I'm putting the horizon in the wrong place. Now, the one thing I will agree with you with, if we show up this year and go ten and two and fiddle fart around and lose to teams we have no business losing to, a nine and three Auburn or. Or, or you know, God forbid, a, a f- six and seven Missouri. I, know, See, I don't me, think Missouri's gonna be six and Missouri seven. Missouri is the trap. It can't be. I, well, I, mean, but, but I think I think Missouri's second in the conference. And That's I, what I'm saying. I'm Missouri, saying Missouri is a trap game for them this year. Oh, I think I Missouri. I think Missouri's ten and two. Yeah, right. Right. I think they're a ten and two team. But having said all of that, um, a lot of that de- de- is is dependent on context, and th- that does I think that might mean, make me a little different fan because I am always one to look at context. You know, when I look back over the time in the Rick years, I was far more forgiving of some of Rick's years because of injuries and other things. But looking at overarching, and that's probably how I'll evaluate Kirby's too. It's like there were years we had no business, even if we had the injury like we did, that we were in a position where we were understaffed. And f- frankly, that's that is the biggest difference between. Kirby Smart's Georgia football team and Mark Rick's Georgia football team, and I will always believe this, is that in the starters, I don't think there's any dis- – there's no – I mean, there's a little more a little more blue chip. Uh, it's a little more blue chippy mm-hmm. for Kirby at the starter level. But our second and third strings are really where the difference is made. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and frankly, that's where the difference probably is going to be made this year, and this might be a nice segue into the overall thing is like, – we, we finally have the depth that will allow us to match up with the teams. You know, Alabama had worse injury luck than we did last year, right? Well, Seth brought it up in y'all's yeah. conversation. Right. The and year I, we played them for the national championship. It was a magical year. We they had lost zero. all their linebackers. Yeah. yeah. Well, last year, I mean, I mean, last year they were playing They were playing like their third string starting offensive guard, right? And, and who, who is probably, I'm sure, who's a five-star five five star, but, right? but was also not the starter. Right, like the starter was obviously the starter for a reason. Right, and but we're we're in that position now, right? Offensive line, we got literally we have a second line that probably would start for every other team in the conference. So do you at, know at Alabama? Do you know yet the depth chart? Like, have you kind of figured out who uh, yeah, is, who I'm, is I'm, our starting five OL going to be? So this is just basically, and, and I've cribbed this off the off various places on the internet, but you're looking at some probably uh, Thomas on the left tackle, Solomon Kinley left guard, Ben Cleveland right guard. Isaiah Wilson, right tackle, Trey Hill at center with some. The idea com- that Mays as a backup is really just kind of. <laughs> That's amazing. I mean, right, really right. Fine, and I'm going to say with some combination of Mays, uh, Sawyer, although I read somewhere he, he, was he might be injured. Yeah. And uh, Demarcus Hayes and Clay Webb all coming in and playing a lot, right? And when you start your offensive line out with essentially two lines deep of four and five stars, that doesn't. I mean, it does make a difference in a game like uh, Vanderbilt or even Notre Dame, where it makes a difference in a game like Texas A&M or Auburn or the SEC Championship because you've got guys that may have played 70% of the snaps, well, except for Alabama, you know, you're playing against guys that have played 90% of the snaps. Well, that makes a difference over the course of three months and all that stuff. Um, so when you look at the offensive line, is a good example. Granted, the offensive line is easily the best unit on Georgia's team. It's possible the second unit offensive line. The second might be the second, the second best. best unit on the, on the uh, I think our linebackers are pretty I good. Know, young, yeah. young, you know but I mean. good. 
Um, and the same with the run back, running backs, right? A lot, a lot of hay has been made of, well, you just, all you really have is DeAndre Swift. Uh, yeah, I don't well, know. when you have, for example, you have James Cook, who's probably going to be the third back. I'm not entirely sure, sold that Swift leads the team in rushing this year. It's, it's, it's possible <laughs> why it does. Right. It's possible why it does, right? Um, but you, when you have James Cook, in all likelihood, going to be your, and he's 5'10", soaking wet, you know, he is going to be your, your wildcat guy. That, that means the coaches have a ton of yeah. confidence in his ability to do things with his legs. And, and frankly, I think he's probably going to line up and slot and occasionally just to put it, get him on the field. So did I read that right now, and I, I think I read it on Dog Nation or something, maybe it might be Matt Landers, Robertson, and then Tyler Simmons kind of across the line for a split. With and, Robertson playing in the, in the slot, mm-hmm. yeah. Which is really interesting. Matt Landers is—you've never heard his name, but he's six-five. You know, he's—he was redshirted last right. year, I think. It, I don't think there's any doubt Pickens is going to play a lot. Sure. Um, well, this, is a, this also comes at the end. Another thing we talked about with Seth: we actually don't know exactly what this offense is going to look like yet, right? Yeah, yeah and, I'm glad you brought that up because I did right. want to spend some time talking about that. Um, and it's possible we won't find out what it looks like until Notre Dame That's or later, right? I mean. Look, I, if I think, you, yes, if you just write down Notre Dame story, you don't need to right. bother. And that's, that's exactly right. I, I think any Georgia fan that expects the Vanderbilt game to be this high-flying 42-10 game where Georgia slings ball over the yard just hasn't paid attention to how Kirby Smart likes to run his offense. We will do just enough to win, and he'll take a twenty-four. He'll take a twenty-four to ten win, and take whatever lumps come in the media if he doesn't have to expose anything and feels comfortable. He's going, and this could well be. And we'll get to next week to the preview of this game. This could well be a 24-10 ass weapon, right? Though it would uh, be fun if, if he went the other direction and like just like slung it all over the yard and then just ran it down by his throat the rest right. of the year. Right. It's not yeah. the worst idea. Right. <laughs> Maybe it drew Jim Cheney's face on the football and let you know, <laughs> Matt Lander spike it five times. Um, I don't know why Matt Lander's going to spike the ball, but I'll take it. But it, it does raise an interesting philosophical question. I mean, when you, th- I, I've long thought that we are going to see the potential for us to see the offense open up a little bit under um, under Coley is there one because I think Coley is not unwilling to take some chances that I think Cheney is kind of predisposed not to do. And I, not I, that Kirby Smart is always predisposed to make those. I'm, and I'm glad you brought that up because a lot of people and I, I I absolutely stand this a bunch, especially in the Kentucky game about. Cheney's calls at the off, uh, at the goal line against Kentucky, and I am I have ha, am convinced and remain convinced the guy that Kirby was yelling at the headset was himself. Yeah, right. I agree. That yeah. he he said I want to run the ball <laughs> down their throats. I want to run the ball down their throats. I'm still uncomfortable with that clip. Right, because it's a lot. Right, <laughs> and even as yelling, it's himself, just a lot of human emotion. I think yes. it happened twice last year. It did. It happened against Florida. Right. We I think we've kicked where the, the camera caught him just losing his mind. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or as Will whatever. calls it, rage stroke. On rage the stroke. Lines. I mean, I like rage <laughs> just as a human being, it makes yeah, me uncomfortable it's, yeah, to see that much, that much raw emotion on a human being that I don't actually know very yeah. well. I mean, but you live, you live. I, you know, I, I live with my emotions on my sleeve, so I, <laughs> yeah. But that's like a lot. Like I've never yeah, seen you true. do that. No, yeah, I, I have not done that except for on the golf course. So, um, you know, I, I think there, the world is out there where we do throw the ball a little more with Coley than we did with Cheney. But the world's also out there that we are the exact same offense we saw last season where we run the ball a ton. We throw the ball enough to make the linebackers and defensive backs be honest. If they're going to give us the deep ball, we'll take it. 
But for the most part, we're going to rely on legs, whether that be power run, play action, read option, or jet sweeps. So I want to know which back is the one that's going to be the flea flicker back. Because it didn't work last year. It worked in 17. I think we know the answer to this. It's Prather Hudson. I think we know is, Maybe Absolutely. It is. Maybe it is. <laughs> Prather Hudson. Columbus's own. That's coming out at some point during the year. You're going to see the flea flicker. I mean, there's not much razzle-dazzle with, with Kirby. Well, the razzle-dazzle he has tried it hasn't worked out. But the flea flicker, I fully expect to see that in effect maybe uh, Razzle-dazzle has worked out okay. Trick plays have not I worked mean, out okay. I mean, frankly, you could see it with any of the running backs, but Cook comes to mind immediately and Robertson from the receivers just because they're in the slot. I yeah. really feel like Zemir White might be we – might, we, we might – mid-season we might be like, oh – we, we didn't have, talk about him well, enough. We have him. He may be special. Right. So it's interesting you brought that up. I remember writing a post for the Georgia Sports blog, what was it, seven, eight years ago when Todd Gurley was a freshman. And I remember writing, at the time, I would predict which of the incoming freshmen might actually get a red shirt. And I predicted that Gurley might get a red shirt. Right. And that was purely based on the fact that Marshall was getting more touches in the scrimmages and Marshall was, you know, he looked, he had more speed. He had more stars. He had more stars. And when you looked at their high school tape, Gurley was good, but he wasn't like that. Um, Yeah. (laughs) Samir White has all the makings of the guy that is your feature back by the third game. And even if he's not getting the majority of the carries, he's getting more of the yards. Yeah. And and he's also more... This is the thing about Swift, right? Swift is obviously awesome. But Swift was really at his true best when there were other regular running backs. Yeah, with Chubb and Michelle. Yeah, like that. And and listen, obviously it's easy to get some space when Nick Chubb and Sonny Michelle are in the backfield. But I think that's... Ideally speaking, you can have White and Cook and Prather Hudson uh, be the impersonators of that. And then this is the idea about the wide receivers. Everyone's so worried about the wide receivers. I do you need wide receivers? Do you no, need wide receivers? It's, it's, well, not, it's not unfair. I mean, is DeAndre Swift your leading pass catcher this year? And he could be. I have come around that a wide receiver. It's Charlie Warner. Pro- <laughs> I've, come, I've come around that we probably will use the tight ends more. Yeah. Um, this is why we're so mad that Luke Ford left. Right? An interesting way of looking at this, too, is that DeAndre Swift is on some Heisman, not Heisman watch list, but he is his his odds are not so terrible. I've seen them roughly equivalent to Fromm's, right? Which is crazy talk. Crazy. No, because Georgia is not Alabama. I mean, the the last two times Alabama's had people in the conversation, including when they're they're uh, when uh, who was it that won it? Started with a Y. Ingram. Ingram. Oh, Ingram won it. He had like four hundred fifty carries, right? He had, I mean, he was averaging close to thirty carries a game. Georgia's not going to run a running back that way. I mean, Kirby doesn't want to run him back. Want a runner? I mean, unless Swift or, for that matter, White is that much better than the rest, and frankly, that much better than all the other players on the field. So the the thought that you know Swift is going to potentially look, he has all the potential to be a Heisman running back, but we're not going to run him that much, and we're not going to throw to him that much. I mean, he could get thirty touches a game, but that's going to be. I mean, this is why. Todd Gurley and Nick Chubb never won. Right, that's exactly. Or never. I mean, <laughs> they were in the conversation yeah. preseason. And Gurley hadn't had the the right the injury. Signing he, thing, the he, signing he, thing. The signing he, is what cost him. Well, he put, he potentially could have had. He, he had the makings of it, but right. then the injury and the right. suspension. And yeah. There's a world where Swift averages twenty eight to thirty touches a game with you know. 21 or two runs and six to eight catches, yeah. right? But I think it's, I just think Cook and White are going to get the ball too much. I think Cook, Harry, and White will get the yeah. ball too much. Yeah. Um, which gets us to Mr. Fromm. Yeah. Um, 
Let's, all bets are off, by the way. I think this entire this entire uh, podcast is null and void if something happens to Jake Fromm. Nothing against Seth Bennett, but like this is not. I don't think it's unfair to think that way. Um, I also think it resets the expectations game. And, and that, it that probably should. Yeah, right? no, absolutely. Um, there are two interesting questions surrounding Jake Fromm. First off, among all Georgia fans, and frankly, national, it's like, what's it going to be this year? You know, if you want to be super charitable, he has been a, um, who was the McCarran? He's been McCarran plus, right? Um, If you're being less than charitable, he is John Parker Wilson. I think he's a better quarterback than that. I think that would be very uncharitable. Right. I think he's a better quarterback than both of them. You can't use misuse because they haven't needed it, but... He's got those tools in his arsenal. The trick is, and this is frankly something we struggle with with Cheney and LSU and Auburn the year before. The the trick is figuring out where um, where to best use them and when, and how to adjust when other teams adjust to your running game. There will be a game this season, much like the Notre Dame game, where you're going to have to ride Jake Fromm. There will be a game this season where you have to. I have no problem saying whatsoever saying he absolutely can carry this team. I have to say it's I'm a little baffled that I think because he doesn't have the incredible athleticism of a Trevor Lawrence right. or a Tua that people are acting like he's like Steve Walsh or something. <laughs> well, yeah, or it's like, funny. It's he's, funny. He's, people he's like he's, yeah, he's he's an immobile good yeah. Like game I don't manager. like did they not watch any of the like he he, he I mean <gasps> he, he was. Brilliant in the SEC championship game last year. And that has been yes, lost yes. of just yes. how good he was. In that. Like, he outdueled Tua. And obviously, Georgia defense had a lot to do with that, too. But, like, he was incredible in that game. Now, again, I, I mean, this is one of the reasons people were so mad about the fake, fake punt, right? Yeah. Like, if you're going to do that, give it to Fromm. He's been hot all game. That's So, if you are going to tell me that you think Jake Fromm is just a system or a game manager quarterback. You, I don't think you're paying attention. Yeah, you're telling on yourself uh, if you say that. And again, I've always, I from the beginning, was like a little bit of a from skeptic, and I was wrong. <laughs> like, I was wrong, and like, he is clearly, I remember, he signed with Alabama in the first place. There's obviously a ton of talent there. So, for me, a Heisman candidate, I'm not quite sold on, just I think Georgia's offense is going to be too varied for yeah, that. Yeah, I think that's right. But uh, the idea that Jake Fromm is somehow... Um, Lesser, or uh, or we haven't. We, he has not proven anything. I feel like Jake Fromm has proven plenty, <laughs> to, I, to say the least. And listen, he's had a terrific national championship game, just like Trevor Lawrence did. If Georgia's defense had done to Alabama what Clemson's defense did to Alabama, we might all be talking about Jake Fromm the way everyone's talking about Trevor Lawrence. Well, and the other part about that is that um, Fromm has set some goals for himself this year, and the the most interesting one to me is to complete seventy two of his path seventy percent. I mean, he completed sixty seven and a half last year, right? Man, I, it, are you going to bet against Jake Fromm? He might have hit seventy two if it hadn't been for LSU, I like right? LSU. Are you going to bet against? Are you going to bet against him <laughs> yeah. to do that? I mean, in all sincerity, I I can't think of any reason why he won't hit seven because if for no other reason, he set that goal. He reaches his goals, and if he reaches that goal, that's. This is maybe for the 2020 preview podcast, Boy. but he's gone. 
Oh yeah, he's totally playing he, for the Raiders. He better be. He's totally playing for the Raiders next year or something. Yeah. Uh-huh. It's it's weird because again, I think from Seth, Seth's uh, interview, he said he basically was saying like, you know, there's a there's a lot of Georgia fans. I have not met these Georgia fans, but he says there's a lot of Georgia fans that think, oh well, he's just so loyal to the University of Georgia that he'll come back <laughs> if with unfinished business. Ask Daniel Jones. Yeah, seriously, yeah. go and we, yeah. he'd be a and he fool should. not to. He he'd should be a fool not to. So, so I mean, Trevor Lawrence would go right now if yeah. he could. So and he should. So if y'all could pick one offensive player who's going, who you think is going to surprise us, um, I think I'm already. I think Zemir White's going to have a huge, huge year. I'm going to say Tyler Simmons, senior leadership. You know, one of the fastest guys on the team knows the system. Is going to kind of bring people along. I'd personally like to see him have a really good breakout senior season. I feel like Charlie Warner is going to end up making Isaac Nada's season look pedestrian. I mean, I mean, he's gonna have. I mean, there's no other tight ends, so I, I think it's like a freshman. But like, you know, there's no one. Yeah, I think yeah. I think Fitz, Fitzpatrick um, is his name, right? Fitzpatrick. Eli Wolf. Uh, you know, having it, it, I hate to say this about a Tennessee former Tennessee player, but Eli Wolf having him with the experience he has playing in this conference it doesn't make me feel bad, right? Especially if we got to go to two tight ends at times. But I just think I, I just think Warder is going to have a big year. He and Fromm are fishing buddies. They yeah. were, have been roommates. I think they have the simpatico it takes, and he's going to be, especially early, that relief valve that um, that that Fromm's going to be looking for. So before we jump into the questions, obviously, yeah. let's talk a little bit shorter about defense and then touch on special teams because that's going to obviously Yeah, I'm, I'm going to really talk about touchback Jesus. So um, so defense, how we look at, we start with the O-line, how we look at yeah. the D-line. Uh, there's been a lot of stories uh, written on about Jordan Davis uh, recently. You know, it's interesting. Davis might not even start the first game. I think that might be Barnett, but uh, Davis is going to see plenty of, of game action. So across the front line, you're going to have a combination. This is who I think. You're going to have Tyler Clark on, on one end, um, Michael Barnett or Jordan Davis in the middle, and Jordan, uh, I'm sorry, uh, Millie Karen on the other end. But you're again, that's another position where you're going to see eight to ten players. I think you'll see Rochester. I think he's a Mikhail Carter. You'll see – Wyatt, you'll see um, Notori Johnson. I mean, a couple of those freshman guys. That, and then you'll see Walker, Walker. not say, DeAndre Walker. Right. But Trayvon, is it Trayvon? Tra- Trayvon, I think Trayvon Walker's Trayvon gonna Walker. Get, he's going to get plenty of playing yeah. time. Oh, he is, but you may, I mean, he's maybe the, one of the two or three top four groups they got this year. Yeah, well, oh, yeah. Him and yeah. Dean. Yeah. yeah, I think you're going to see a lot of that, those guys. And again, the defensive line is one of those situations. I think I, a, lot of, a lot of hay has been made out of. Georgia's inexperience and lack of ability to stop running game and lack of ha- havoc. Um, I think this defensive line changes that. I, I'm actually more – I think the def- defense is going to be demonstrably better than they were last year. Um, and this starts with the defensive line. The, to me, the, the uh, we, even, we didn't talk about the receivers when we were talking about the offense, but I think if there is a weak point is not the right term – but where the most question marks are, yeah. like with the offense being a receiver, I think it's in the secondary. And it's not so much that it's bad. It's not bad. It's Everybody's youth. good. It's, youth. it's just they're young. And, and listen, one or two of those guys may step up. But we know what the, Georgia has a quarterback. We know what they have a running back. We definitely know what they have in the offensive line. I think we know what they have linebackers really well. The secondary is where you're waiting to see guys who, who steps up. Which is, I think, behind all this havoc talk, right? Because I think the right. coaches know if they can pressure the quarterback, that takes a lot of pressure off your right. young secondary. Right. Right. Like if you if you get a quarterback with happy feet or you're putting him on the dirt, yeah. um, 
you're creating opportunities for your your secondary to miss some coverages. And this is why I mean, this is why when pe- the the sleeper pick for when does Georgia have a slip up is Missouri. Oh yeah, because yeah, Missouri has Kelly that. Yeah, Kelly yeah. Bryant, and they have that. And, and their offense obviously yeah, is kind of. We've seen in the past how good how good their offense can be, and frankly, how good their offense can be against Georgia. They've been able to even last year they scored a lot of points on Georgia. Yeah. So you know, I think that that's that's um, there's not a lot of quarterbacks like that in the uh, that they're going to face this year. Like you, maybe you think Felipe Franks is a 500 yard passer. I don't. So um, for me, I don't think there's a lot of dudes that are going to be able to really exploit that until you get, of course, to the SEC championship game and the playoff. Yeah. So it's interesting you bring up Missouri. I heard sort of saw an interesting stat today reading actually Rock M Nation. Um, how many times has Missouri beaten Georgia since they've been to the conference? Twice, three times, once. Oh, was that Maddie Mock? No, Ma- the Michael Sam game is the one they beat them. The Michael Sam they, game. Here. I thought the, yeah. I thought that was that was the first time I ever saw them lose. In yeah, person. it was crazy when I saw that. I was like. That doesn't seem oh, yeah. right. You feel like it doesn't we, feel we beat right. them six to three in one of the Rick's last years. Yeah, it did. Well, it was terrible. Yeah. but then there was the incredible game. Yes. in Kirby's first year. Yes, the guy, the, the one that guy kicked out his kicked out his screen door. Yeah. game. Like yeah, that was the, the crazy catch at the end. That yeah, really that awesome was game. that was the that was the Ken Jake Eason right. this team for exactly win, exactly right? exactly. Yeah. Um, um, I really you're wow that's amazing. Yeah, I, really I, I saw that too, and I didn't go back and fact check it. So guys, please ignore it if I'm wrong. I do feel like that Missouri, that Michael Sam Missouri win it was, was a team of destiny. Yeah, and also like they they were good. Georgia they were good. that game, they were, like yeah. they full on whooped them that yeah. game. So that was when uh, James Franklin, not the coach, but the, yeah, the quarterback, the came quarterback in was was hurt. hurt. Yeah, and then Mock came yep. in and threw two touchdown passes, really Ridiculous. long. Kind Did of like Sam have like six sacks that game. Uh, it was, it was absolutely uh, probably in the fourth quarter. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So when you so when you yeah look, when you look at the linebackers. Um, yeah, you're you're looking at it probably going to take Crowder in the middle um, with uh, Walter Grant, Monty Rice on either side of him, and then Aziz Ojolari on the other other side. Again, it's a young group behind them, but it is deep between Bill and Tyndall and Quay Walker and Nicobe Dean is apparently injured, but um, not so much even like and Nolan Smith, right? People keep talking about Nicobe Dean like he is the next um, Rokon Rokon Smith, right? If he is, that's a game changer because he can play sideline to sideline. He can cover passes, and he is also a terror once he once they send him forward. Um, I'm not terribly worried about this group. Um, I'm I am more worried about the secondary than the linebackers. Uh, they have several really good pass coverage guys who are back um, specifically with, with Crowder and Grant. I just, I think the speed and the athleticism is there to make for them basically be left on an Island with everybody at the very fastest receivers in the conference. But of course the question is, uh, I remember when uh, Dan Rubenstein, of course, was yeah. also in this, uh, he was the one that coined, I don't know if you remember this, but a couple of years ago when we talked about how the best thing about that Georgia defense was it felt like they were kids that got to play mm-hmm. an extra 15 yeah. minutes. That's a yeah. Dan Rubenstein thing. Mm. Dan Ruben, he yeah, he guy, did say that. He I thought that was yours. No, it was Dan. Dan did say that. And I credited to Dan when I said it. And um, that defense was special. That defense was special. Obviously, a lot of that was Roquan, who I always joke that. Like, when you saw, this was mine. When every time Roquan made a tackle, it looked like he had been dropped on the person. (laughs) Like, it looked like he had just, like, like from 10 feet up, had landed on top of him. Um, And that defense was not only great, but joyous. 
Like they just felt like terrifying. Now that changed obviously a little bit once you got to face Oklahoma and Alabama. But like that defense was incredible. Last year's defense was not like that. The talent is still there. But I think that's what you're looking for. That vibe, that stretch when Georgia got rolling that year where just no one was doing anything against him. And they were just flying around hitting everybody. That's what you want to see from this defense. That They have the talent to do it, but lots of teams have the talent to do it. Alabama had uh, has a ton of five stars on defense, and they got whomped in the national championship game. What you want is you want them – the thing that was great about that defense two years ago is they got the ball rolling downhill. Yeah. And it just felt like like everyone went into every game being like, oh, no, I don't want to run into Roquan. No, well, it was almost like you wanted your defense out there. You looked yeah. forward yeah. to it yeah. getting yeah. out there. And that's the, the Havoc idea, right? That's the Havoc yeah. idea. That's what they're going for. But uh, we haven't seen that yet, but I do. I agree. I think they'll be better than last year. And, and the other thing is, which you can't discount, which is a, a good segue into our defensive backs, is that I think we have a little better leadership on this team with a good combination of young, young guys that we play in a lot. We talked about Tay Crowder in the middle linebacker, which you like to have. You like to have him there. Um, he's a senior, but you're talking about the defensive backs with J.R. Reed. I honestly think LeCount's going to have a great year. Um, so uh, you know, our we ha- we have a friend that works right over by by the practice facility, Stephanie. She works mm-hmm. right there, and she said that Coach Smart is on LeCount more than the other player. We it, saw he was the one that had to run the. About to say okay. About to say if you watch that video. Uh, if you listen to Kirby, he says, all right, for the fourth leg, I'm going to take LeCount. Mm-hmm. Right? And I thought that was really interesting, even for the, like, the two minutes that he was, he, had that, that he, was moving, he was playing that move on LeCount that he was going to race LeCount. Uh, and then he put Matthew Bowling, who smoked him, as he should have. Guys, by the way, if you don't pay attention to Georgia track, the next four years is time to do so. Mm-hmm. We have the most incredible runner running track for Georgia and Matthew Bowling is a kid out of Houston, Texas. I encourage you to Google hit the Georgia, I'm sorry, the Texas state four by 400 championship yeah. last year. He literally made up 50 yards on a kid in the last 400. That's a yards. Yeah. Okay. That's fine. Uh, he almost, <laughs> he literally almost made up 30 of those yards coming off the four turn. Oh, sure. It was really impressive. I watched that today. Yeah. 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 Well, what's the guy's name? Again? Matthew Bowling. Did you see the video, the 4x100? Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm looking up to make sure I'm remembering the right video. Yeah. So to get to that, that's a long, very very long way of saying yeah. I think yeah. we have he, some he's leadership. the white guy. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. That's what I thought. Why has it got to be a guy? <laughs> um, so I think we have the leadership back there. I mean, we're going to see LeCount, Tyson Campbell, Eric Stokes. I think Stokes and Reed may end up being two of the better two of the better cornerbacks in the league. The real questions we have are in the middle between LeCount, who who is a very 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 good ball player, has shown propensity to want to hit people instead of tackle them, and then you know some combination of Otis Reese, Mark Webb, even Brenny. I mean, again, we're so deep, and it's so weird to say we're so deep, considering two years ago in seventeen we're like I don't. Who's going to be the backup? I mean, we would name the same guy to be the backup cornerback uh, for both sides and They've the backup safety. Huge everywhere, and particularly in the secondary. We just haven't seen it yet. Yep. Yep. And it. I think it could be there. Yeah. Okay. I'll do, briefly do special teams. Um, to me, uh, we can talk about the punter, obviously. We can talk about Camarda and everybody else. I think it is worth knowing. Everybody loves Rodrigo. Everybody loves Rodrigo. Touchback Jesus. Touchback Jesus. It is worth. I feel sorry to do this, but like it is worth remembering. He had a couple really tough misses at the end of last year, and and I, and most teams have to deal with this all the time, right? Mm-hmm. Most teams have to deal with you don't know what your kicker is going to do, and you can do everything right, the kicker can miss a kick. But of course, Rodrigo was bionic. Like Rodrigo, you never had to worry about him at all. 
we can leave it to the to the historians to debate whether or not they win the SEC championship game if he makes that kick. I don't know. I don't think it's as certain as everybody always tries to claim that it is. But clearly, Rodrigo has had no, other than fighting for that scholarship his first year and all that stuff with his dad, has had no real problems at all. He's just been incredible since he got here. The last time we saw him kick, it didn't go well. And uh, that is worth keeping in mind. We have seen incredible kickers before fall off a cliff. No, yeah. I do not think Rodrigo's going to do that, but it happens. Like, it happens, and so much of this is psychological, and the fact is, the last three big kicks he's had, he missed two. And that is that is worth keeping in mind. Well, you know he missed the kick in the SEC championship game, right? Because Tyler Simmons was on side. <laughs> so, um, that was the national championship. Yeah. God, yeah. sorry, I don't mean to cr- keep cr- correcting. <laughs> no, it's perfectly he wasn't, fine. No, he wasn't wrong. He's saying he was. He, he was referring back to that. But he also he also missed one in the Georgia Tech game too. He yeah, he missed one in Georgia Tech. There are there is a little interesting just to think about how a couple of statements came out, especially on on, on kickoffs. There have been there's been chatters of chatters chatting of chatter chatter of chattel. There's been chattel. <laughs> chattel is something different. I learned that in law school, mm-hmm. that they are experimenting with some directional kicking just to see if they can squeeze some yardage out. Coach, I know you listen to the podcast. Put your defense on the field on the 25-yard line. Know exactly what you're dealing with and scope out the plays and get a three and out. Don't play with it. It's not worth it. The juice is not worth the squeeze. Mm-hmm. Let's touch back Jesus, do his thing. Do you think that they should work on the fake po- – you know, let's just move on. Let's just move on. It's too soon, Will. Uh, Paul, are we going to talk some questions? Yeah, and have we misled our listeners? Because Not- we promoted this show that we want them to drive this show. I know, but I thought we were going to be organized and then offense well, to defense. No, round, we, have, so. we have not. We're not talking about uniforms or about yeah. hashtags. We, we clear the decks, so ask the <laughs> questions, and if we've already answered them, we'll say thank you for okay. the question. So we're going we're gonna to try to blow through these 40-plus <laughs> questions. All right. Guys, guys, the look on Will's, uh, Scott's face every time I say no, no hashtag. This is this awesome. Okay, All right, Scott. so these are... If, if we'd have had these organized in the offense, defense, special teams, we'd probably already be done. Scott, did a, was, Scott did a great job. I had other things to do it's also. True. It's so, true. Uh, hey, listeners, just so you know, in Scott's eyes, you don't come first. <laughs> you don't even get to come second. All right. So this one's from Some Joseph. never come at all. <laughs> this one's from <laughs> Joseph Siski. Something's just to make sure that Scott seems happy. <laughs> okay, let's just move on. He sent this uh, via email. What if Day isn't good at OSU? What if he is Zook at Florida or yeah. Solich at Nebraska? Or Goff. For example, <laughs> yeah. Sorry, I said that. Why I would you hurt you. me? I should have trigger warning. Sorry, Joe. Wow. Butchered your uh, email. So, Joe, here's here's what I think. Your mouth to God's ears. Yeah. I am not sure that's going to happen. Uh, it wasn't long ago people were saying the same thing about Oklahoma, right? Like, what if this guy isn't Stoops, and what if this guy isn't ready, and they're better? So uh, I feel like Ohio. What State, if he's Bill Callahan? I know that. Well, maybe he's Bill Callahan. Maybe he's. Uh, you know, maybe he's. Uh, um, well, Frank what Solich. If, what if he's you know? Ron Zook at Illinois? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Zook at Florida or Zook at Illinois? If he's Ron Zook at Illinois, he will have put the program in a better place than it's been in 20 years and then get fired for it. But anyway. All right, this is from Thanks, Timothy Watts. Question one. Under Coach Rick, Georgia had a clear identity to me. We fought hard and won or lost with dignity. It was the Georgia way. To put it, and he put a, the trademark Georgia way. To put in work and keep your head high no matter what. Do you feel that this still stands, or is there a new Georgia way? For the record, I feel mostly the same, but perhaps with slightly more of a lean towards walk softly 
and carry a big stick mentality under Kirby Smart, which I don't hate. I'm, for, I'm not. I'll sure. get to question two in a minute. I'm not sure anyone's walking softly uh, in the current Kirby no. Smart era, but I I understand what the question yeah. is and whatever this has been like a theme from, of this podcast since the very beginning, right? The idea of, of the decision that Georgia as a university and athletic, athletic program made when they fired Mark Richt and hired Kirby Smart. I'm not saying it's a bad one. I think clearly the team is better. Clearly there's a higher level. Imagine this, a situation where Mark Richt is still the coach of Georgia. I think it's hard to argue they're not farther back. Like, honestly, they're not where they are now. As someone that was uh, a believer uh, in the way that only recent converts can become zealots uh, in kind of Mark Richt and the Georgia way, I remember feeling disappointed. Now that you see what Kirby Smart's able to do, it's hard to argue the program athletically is not in a better place. There have been sacrifices. I think there's no question there have been sacrifices. I think you see it every time when people talk about how much money the program now has to raise and how how the higher dollar donors are getting a lot more power and how the actual physical experience of going to a Georgia football game is not as pleasant as it was perhaps when you guys were in college or it's not as chill it's not as everything's a little bit more corporate and professionalized now but we are getting free water this year. There are free water. And, and, and you can also... But you have to bring your own water in. Yeah. And if you're a big donor, you can sit in the dark room where you can't see the game and buy a warm beer for $27. Be beer, yeah. And, um, but to me, like that's the trade-off, right? That's the trade-off. Georgia wants a championship more than anything else. So when you do that and you bring in... You make the decision to have Kirby Smart over Mark Richt, which I think on field-wise is difficult to argue with. Things are going to change. And the way that the Georgia way that this emailer admires, and I will confess, I also admired, uh, it's not what it is anymore. It doesn't mean that, like, it's the U of Miami in the 90s where everything's out of control. It just means it's different. It's different for the players. It's different for the coach. Everything's more professionalized. Uh, and it's different for the fans. And if you're willing to make that trade-off, it, it's, the trade-off is fine if they win a championship. And if they don't win a championship, then you've actually lost one of the things that I would argue made Georgia special for the sake of not actually winning a championship. The only thing I would append to that is that I think Mark Rick is fired after the next year because I also think we go eight and five. Yeah. Then we have some combination of Jeremy Pruitt or Will Muschamp as our coach. <laughs> Fight me. <laughs> No, or do you? Oh, wow. Also, keep in mind that, you know, the first year of the podcast when Coach Rick was, was coaching, we drank only water and read poetry beforehand. Yeah. Now we're straight bourbon. <laughs> so I was, I was all Ovaltine. <laughs> Ovaltine. I'm going to skip. Ovaltine. I'm going to skip Timothy's second question because it's kind of out of context. We'll come back to that. Cool. Oh. We, or right. we don't have to. There's like 38 more of these. To no, we I, know. We I know. I'll come back to it. I, I put it in a red highlight so I can follow it. All right. So this one is from Chad Erickson. If Georgia wins the Natty but doesn't beat Alabama along the way, is it diminished to you? Whoops. No, I I agree. No. I I agree with Will that at some point we have to beat Alabama. At some point, but But they're not in the way. Believe me. Believe me. (laughs) I will see the sunrise on Bourbon Street if Georgia wins the national championship. I don't care if they're playing Boise State. It is hard to imagine a scenario where the morning after Georgia has won the national championship, it's like, yeah. It wasn't Alabama, yeah, y'all. Yeah. Exactly. Like eventually you're gonna you're right, you're gonna wanna be out there. I mean, we could be those stupid people that put up signs that we want Bama, but yeah, but yeah, I won't be that guy. But yeah. he says 
what if Saban retires before Kirby gets another shot at him? Now that's Would that bother question. you? Now that's an interesting question. I'll be honest, that will not bar- bother me worth a damn. But I bet it'll bother Kirby. <laughs> yeah, I bet sure. it'll bother Kirby. That's fine. And, that's why uh, he gets paid the yeah, big bucks. Right, right. All right, so thanks, Chad. This one's from Charles. I like that question. That was a good question. Charles Walters. Guys, does our defensive line have the talent this year to allow our linebackers to create the havoc that Kirby wants for them? And please let Scott talk about his uniforms and hashtags or he's going to have an aneurysm. He's the glue holding the three of you together. Go dogs. For the record, that last part was not actually in the question. That's, That's just something he's been waiting Charles, to add in. Charles. Yes. Charles well, that. First off, Charles, you should know, uh, literally, Will and I are almost on the verge of fighting all the time. Yes. Um, so thank God that Scott is here. Yeah, um, thank you for your question, Scott. Or, I mean, Charles. <laughs> um I, that's your name. I, what, I don't think they're quite, they obviously have the talent. Everybody on this, every every position on this, this is why you have Kirby Smart and the Alabama thing that they're doing. You, The talent is everywhere. The question is whether you can make it happen. But yeah, I don't think it's any question. Uh, the, 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 there's a uh, non-zero possibility. Here we go. We yep, need to make a t-shirt, non-zero. non-zero. Yeah. There's a non-zero possibility. I'm still not to do quite this. sure what that means. It means... Zero not, possibility means it's impossible. Not okay. zero. So non-zero. So it's means, another way of saying it's not. Impossible. It could happen. It could happen. Oh, okay. It's there like it's like de facto, but different. Yeah. It's just one of those things. Like I always acted like I really understood yeah. what that meant, and I didn't. Okay. All right. <laughs> That's fine. Um, now I know. So there is a possibility. Okay. That, Thank you. Uh, the defensive line is the strength, right? Like there's. It could happen. It, it could. could. Like I don't think people are considering it the immediate strength. It's just like the secondary. There's so much talent there. If they can get it going in the right direction, it could be. As much as I hate to agree with Will, I will. Okay, good. Thanks, thanks, thanks Scott, Charles. Thanks, Scott. Question. Thanks, Charles. I appreciate the the love. We're going to try to get the uniforms and hashtags in soon. In January, Maybe today, January or February. Yeah. All right. So we'll this next one, this next one comes from Philip Story. That's Story with an E. P. Store. Hey, y'all. Love the show. Best podcast in my lineup by far. With all the speculation on changes to the Georgia-Florida location, future nine-game SEC schedules, and Georgia's ambitious non-conference scheduling, I have a possibly disturbing hypothetical for you. Ooh, I and like disturbing follows. hypotheticals. We actually are currently living in a disturbing hypothetical. <laughs> <laughs> Cannot agree. Rank, I disagree. You can't. Oh, okay, I'm going to move on. Rank the following in terms of what would annoy you the most the second most, and the third most. Okay. All right, so here are the three. That would be homework. So I'm going to read all three, and then you can rank them. Georgia and Florida leave Jacksonville. Number two, the SEC eliminates permanent east-west games, meaning Georgia doesn't play Auburn every year. And then number three, and I think we all know where this will fall, Georgia no longer faces Georgia Tech every season. Okay. What would disturb us the most? I'd probably say, and I'm, I'll go. Ahead you and guys speak. should go first because you guys have. I'd more say history. the eliminating uh, Georgia Auburn playing every year. What disturb us the most? This is a great question. Yeah. And then Georgia Florida second, and then Tech third. Yeah, I'm fine with that. I mean, all three of these, all three of these matter on some level to me. But okay, so then which matters the most? Um, You're not willing to fight for them. Yeah, I, I don't think we should leave Jacksonville. I, I think that's the one that would annoy them the most. And the reasons uh, are exactly what I've said many times is that we didn't lose all those games in Jacksonville because of the location. And we'd win all those games in Jacksonville because of the location. There's something special about that game. CBS circles that game as their 330 game every year for a reason. It creates a brand. It creates an identity. Frankly, I think our program is better for playing that game in Jacksonville. Uh, I, and I, other two, whatever. I personally like having the Georgia Georgia Tech game every year. I'm a, I'm a aficionado of having a uh, 
Uh, so that would annoy you the most? I, I think Jacksonville. I, I've never been to Jacksonville, so I can't really gauge. I feel like I'm a little bit outside moving in, but I do have more experience with the Georgia, Georgia Tech game. And A, I love when it is every year. And B, I think it's good to have stuff like this, uh, to have someone that it's a, it's a control group. Right? Like every year, you're going to play Georgia Tech every year. Some years, Georgia Tech is going to be good. Some years, Georgia Tech is going to be bad. But no matter what, you get them every year. They are measuring themselves by you. You are measuring yourselves by them. I feel like just in a, an empirical sort of uh, uh, idea, having like a game every year to be like, oh, you're is Georgia very, Tech getting better? You're very good at persuasion. I, yeah. mean, I mean, there was a time in the 90s where that uh, game I, was not a foregone conclusion, yeah, yeah. right? And like well, now, clearly, Georgia is a much, much higher level than Georgia Tech. But it wasn't long ago where we lost to them at home oh, with Kirby yeah. Smart as the coach. So like, clearly, it's hard to imagine a scenario right now where Georgia loses to Georgia Tech. It's just hard to come up with that idea. But in the next 10 years, Georgia Tech is going to get better. It could flip. So like that, I don't know if it could flip, but the point is, is you know that's a measure every single year. Someone that's also not competing for the same thing that you are, not to be Illinois guy, but like Illinois, Missouri in basketball is like, to me, the great example of this. Missouri is about... They're a little below where Illinois is a program in the macro, but on the whole, you judge every year about they're the team you judge yourself against. Not so much are we better than them, but are we more better than them than we were last year, or are we less? And so I think there's a lot of value in that. And remember, kids, Jasper was down. Plus, it's really nice to see Georgia, uh, among Georgia fans, uh, really cheaply with great seats every couple of years. It does hurt uh, my feelings, yeah, yeah. That is a beautiful stadium to to watch your team. I, I actually uh, love sitting in the upper I deck because you get that whole I skyline view. I absolutely love that. I mean, it's precious. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So uh, Blake Giles sent an email. He says, "You hope injuries are not a factor, but where might Georgia be most susceptible to injuries? Have you considered the fact that we could play Alabama three times in the span of five or six games? <laughs> I've thought about that. Yeah, SEC I title have, yeah. game, playoffs." The third game of the 2020 season. Of course, they could have to play Georgia three times in the same span. I have to say, you were talking about that when I had that idea of like what would happen, uh, what would make people start to like get questions about Kirby. Losing to Alabama three, three, times, three times in five, in five months five games would yeah. be a way to do it. Yeah. <laughs> that would be For six games. Oh, three we, times in six games. Three yeah. times in yeah, three times in six games. Yeah, I mean wow. that would be a way to do it, right? And and not only that, in three different places. Yeah. <laughs> like, so where might Georgia be most susceptible to injuries? I think it's, I mean, it's clearly quarterback, quarterback right? Yeah. yeah, it's clearly quarterback. And uh, you guys, I don't remember Stetson, but I know you get that he's like known among the program. Well, all I remember is just reading all the articles leading up to the Rose Bowl because he I, was emulating Baker yeah, Mayfield. Was Baker and everybody Mayfield. was talking about how great he was. He's from my hometown. And um, I, I know his family some. Um, he, of course, is a, a football hero in my hometown. Um, you know, he is probably the second or third best player to come out of our, come out of our, our program. Here's the thing about Setson, and this is just the way I see it. He is a shorter, more daring version of Jake Fromm. Right, somebody has utter confidence in his ability. Somebody that completely knows the playbook. Somebody that understands football and is able to survey the field, know what's going on. The only reason he's not playing a D1 program uh, and starting right now is the fact that he is 5'10 on a, on a dare. 5'10 um, in heels. He's, he's 6'1. He is 
but probably starting for any number of SEC programs. Yeah. Um, so Listen, I think Stetson Bennett could win nine games. Right, and, and that's what I say. And that's what I'm saying. There, there is a world if our running game is as good as we think it is, where Stetson Bennett can step in. It's not seamless. There is a drop off, but we can still go and and accomplish the things we want to accomplish because he does have. I mean, we've we've all seen the Pickens catch, right? Stetson Bennett threw that ball. If if he can beat Texas A and M at home, sure, that, that's the that's that's the average, right? That's the average. Yeah. Like if he can be if he can be good enough to beat Texas A and M at home. Yep. Uh, but the idea that he, you're going to be able to win against Alabama in the SEC championship game uh, with Stetson Bennett uh, it, strikes me as improbable. And there's a lot of people like, oh God, look at his junior college stats, whatever. I can't argue the stats, right? But I will say that. I don't think everything they said about him during the lead up to the Rose Bowl, I don't think everything they say about him now, for that matter, is made up, right? I, I, the team has confidence in him, and it will be a kick in the groin if something has, happens to Jake Fromm. Depending on what happens in the season, it could matter, but it could not. Listen, we're going to see him. Like We'll see him possibly in Vanderbilt, definitely the weeks after that. Oh, I think Cecil so, will play, yeah, yeah absolutely. So yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll certainly see him. All right, so thanks, uh, Blake. Yeah, Blake. For that. Thank you. Uh, the next one comes via Squarespace. Our uh, somebody made a comment on our website, so thanks for going to wslspodcast.com. Do they email it, or do they? they just literally there's post like a little comment, comment, comment box. Yeah, comment box. That's, yeah and it comes to the email. So this is from Rusty Close, and uh, <laughs> close, 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 yeah. close. Coaches put ten dogs on the preseason All SEC team. First team, Andrew Thomas, DeAndre Swift. I was He just put DeAndre, and I'm just sitting there thinking, like, which one is it? Yeah, Lynn. There's no Walker anymore. So DeAndre Swift, Rodrigo Blankenship, J.R. Reed. Second team, Jake Fromm, Solomon Kinley, Isaiah Wilson. Third team, Charlie Warner, Ben Cleveland, Tyler Clark. The over-under is set at 10. Are you going over or under for dogs in the all-SEC team at the end of the season? And if you're going over, who are the coaches missing currently? Is it Robertson, LeCount, Zamir, Jermaine, Johnson, Pickens? Appreciate all y'all's work. I've made my feelings about Zamir clear. I bet it's under, though. Like, I think that... Yeah, not all of them are going to hold. Yeah, I think it's under. Not because Georgia's like... I I think Georgia, when you have this much talent, the whole point is to be democratic. This is why no Alabama quarterbacks were exciting for like 15 years. Like, the whole idea is... There's no one person. The the way that these programs are built, like, listen, the first team running back for the SEC this year might be Keyshawn Vaughn from Vanderbilt, who, if he played for Georgia, would be just another dude in the rotation. A very good player, but in a former Illini, but another dude in the rotation. I think those awards are, by definition, bent toward teams that have one good dude and a bunch of average dudes. And I think Georgia... By, by design, has too much talent to uh, have too many of those guys make it. Rusty, I'll take the worst bet in Vegas and push it. I just did a quick count. Ten seems right to me. All right. The next question comes from JTNW. Y'all might have heard <laughs> them on this show at times, on our postgame shows, and maybe yes, you'll hear them again to go to bed. this year. They ask, who, in your own opinions... Because they are our opinions, I no, guess. No, they're not. I'm speaking fact. If you guys, are, you guys are either speaking uh, un, uh, untruths because you disagree with me, or facts because you agree. Who, in your own opinions, is going to be the next Roquan Smith on the defense this year? And what is the over/under 
on Hot Rod making 95% of all of his PATs and field goals this year. They're already talking betting terminology. Well, the over-under is, is it over or is it under? I think they they were trying to really get smart there. So. I mean, what was it last year? Was it 95 last year? I feel like it was 95 two years ago. I feel like it was over nine, It was over two years ago. I feel like it was under last year. Yeah, maybe. Um, um, so maybe they're saying, what would you set the over-under at? Let's go with that. I'll put it this way. If he is under 95, he's at like 85. If he's over 95, he's at like 99 or 100. It would be the best way to put that. I yeah, feel like- and I think he's over. I think he's under. I think I'm worried. I am worried about. It. I don't think it's actually 85, but I think it's under. I'm worried about him this year. Like that's it does a lot. Like that's what kickers do, man. You see this fall apart all the time. People have big legs and they miss a big kick at the wrong time. He's always been a quirky dude. He's always been an unusual guy. Yeah, he shaved. He got contacts. A like, whole different world. Touch, I'm wor- touch I'm wor- back Jesus. I am back. more worried about Rodrigo than I am actually maybe a little willing to admit. So Rodrigo who, gets drafted next year. Who would you say is the next Roquan Smith? Did, we, did you already say it? N'Kobe Dean, potentially? Dean. Yeah. Okay. All right, so now we're on to Instagram questions. This is from at tdabs3. A, a fellow influencer. I assume all Instagram comments are from sure. influencers. Yeah, I'm an influencer. Yeah. Yeah. He says, uh, Matt Landers, over under 10 receptions this year. This year? Yeah. Over. I would say over That's as well. pretty easy over. All right, so we got through that pretty quickly. At Adam Flake on Instagram, we will have more or less players with 10 or more receptions than last year. And he puts in there seven. It feels like it's more or fewer. I would say more. I'll go over. more than seven. Yeah, I feel like they're spread the ball around more. Yeah, I think they're going to have to. I mean, listen, it's possible Pickens or one of those guys becomes AJ Green. But I doubt it. And I certainly doubt that. And, and certainly not early enough in the season. To, right? like, overwhelm. Yeah. Right. So this and also, Fromm is a guy that's proven that he yeah, can, he likes he can sling it around. around so. uh, at Klimstagrams. I like Klimstagrams. Will anyone else hit a punt besides Cromarda this year? Yes. All I know. Maybe a it, quick kick. All I ask is whoever, every single time they line up for a punt, they punt. That's that's all I'm asking. That's all I'm asking. Unless Uh, it's really there. No. (laughs) Even if it's there, don't do it. Who was our backup quarterback that was the the quick kick guy a couple years ago? Blake something? Oh, no. It was, uh, uh, yeah. Joe Cox? No. No. Yeah, no. It wasn't about it. It was uh, uh, the the other guy. Jacob Park. No. No. Was it Blake? Logan Gray. No. Did no. We have I'm a Blake guy? Dark place. No. It How was, soon I mean, we forget. had several, several I'm, people. I'm bad. embarrassed that I, we I'm, Yeah. I, this, again, this, however, this is one of my favorite podcasts. Are we talking comments. about Bryce Ramsey? Yeah. Bryce, Bryce Ramsey. Ramsey. I was calling everybody's, him Blake. Everybody's favorite uh, Ray Guy Thank finalist. Thank uh, yeah, finalist. Ray Guy finalist, Bryce Ramsey. Right. Thank you. All right. So this next one. I love podcast moments with the listeners are going, Bryce, Bryce Ramsey, you idiots. Y'all yell at your radio. I'm sure that was just happening. So And also, there's a tiger behind you. And it's about to attack. All right. So we're going to yeah. get the next one at 2K12 Coyote. It's quite a handle there. Think we'll see Wolf or anyone else line up as fullback this year for those goal line or for those goal to go drives. He lined up that way with the Vols. That's a big bruising body to throw at the goal line. Heck, throw Walter Grant in there. I was wasn't thinking he Grant, practicing Grant I was thinking of. Yeah. With the backs earlier. Wasn't he? I was it's interesting you asked this question because I was thinking of Grant as you read the question, but yeah, it's possible. I mean, look, the fullback era the is dead. over. The fullback era is over. This is not it's not and There a was position. an article in Athletic about this. Yeah. Uh, Seth wrote it. Seth right? wrote it. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, 
Um, but could you see a Walter Grant? Could we, could we line up and jumbo and see somebody like Walter Grant or Eli Walter? Any, I'd like to see Charles Grant back yeah. there. Anytime you see a fullback, I'll be honest, like this is kind of where the 85 Bears had it right, right? If you really, really want to run that, use your nose tackle. Or use like your big, use your biggest dude. Like the idea that you need a dedicated Mike Allstott esque fullback is just not the way offenses run anymore. Yeah. All right, this next one also comes from Clemstergrams. He came in twice. He says, "One more question: Is this Greg McGarity's last football season? If so, who is next?" I don't care. Yeah, I don't care either. I mean, I, 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 I'm sorry. You should care. I mean, well, I don't on, care wait, if it's wait, his last season or not. I, you're right. I should care who's next. And this will be controversial, but it was Carla Williams. Who? Carla Williams. Oh, she the Maryland? UVA. UVA, right. Well, do, would they promote from within? Like, it feels like things are going pretty well for the Georgia yeah. program right now. Do you need to bring someone in from the outside? There's a I lot mean, of very qualified I mean, Carla, people. Carla's a Georgia. Uh, uh, she came from Georgia. Yeah. Um, I, I just if you if, like McGarity's not getting fired. No, he would retire. Yeah. Generally speaking, yeah. when people retire, they sure. often have some sort of some succession sort of plan. Succession plan, or someone someone is thought to be next in line. I think Tony uh, would do a good job. Uh, no, I don't. That's I met that's, a few people in the uh, in the athletic department. I think that there's yeah, I mean, there, there's, people there's some people it. there. I think would be great. I am telling you, if I have a wish list, you start with Carla Williams. Yeah, just what, don't take what? Josh Whitman. That's all I'm asking. <laughs> don't, don't we talk about my horse too? That way. Okay, now we're into Twitter. We got our Twitter questions. Oh, great. This is all right. Democracy collapses. <laughs> At James Lawson eighty seven, Dan Mullen is the new Mark Richt. Discuss. No. I mean, I mean, no. if everything falls perfectly for Dan Mullen, mm-hmm. he has a chance to approach Mark Richt, maybe, no. but no. Dan Mullen is the old Dan Mullen. He says, it's a fickle situation. I need him to be just good enough to not get fired after two to three seasons, right. but bad enough to never really be a true threat. But seeing uh, another McElwain. So he's Georgia Tech. He's Paul Johnson. He's Paul he Johnson. says, but seeing another McElwain sure would be fun. Yeah. Um, that is the question. Do you want Florida to slow burn, or do you want them to like burst <laughs> into flames? Slow burn. Yeah, that, yeah I, agree. I agree. I agree. Slow burn. I agree. So I mean, here's the thing about uh, about Mullen is that what we're seeing Mullen do is exactly the playbook he had at Mississippi State. Um, fast and loose with recruits. A lot of chatter about the team to the north, and. Is is there going to be a year where everything comes together for him? He gets the right guy, the right everything. Yeah, sure. The difference between is that Kirby Smart's Georgia and Hugh Freeze's Old Miss are two different things. Let's put aside Old Miss and staff infections and good massage parlors and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, roll tide, roll, roll damn tide. That's a different. Uh, no, it's a different place. Yeah. Mullen is a fine quarterback. I mean, a fine quarterback, a fine <laughs> coach. There's a whole story involving me standing on the mortar platform discussing whether or not Dan Mullen would be Georgia coach. The reality is, is that Dan Mullen is exactly the coach he was at Mississippi State. He is just, he just, he can shop in a little better supermarket now. Um, I, I, get, I get that. I totally understand that. Right. I, I mean, is there a world where he is able to recruit and coach his way and get just the, the flash in the pan guy to be Georgia a year or a couple of years. Sure. Is there a world where I think personally me, Tony, think Stan Mullen can out recruit, out prepare and out coach Kirby smart on a year over year basis. No, this is the thing with college football. Now I know we've got a lot of questions, but I think this is a pertinent conversation. College football now is not a sport for pluggers. Nope. 
Like yeah. you are oh, either. Oh, it, a, it is on the margins. It yeah, is yeah. in the middle. Oh, of course, of course. But, but like not at Florida. At the top? Not at, Florida. at the top? Not like Florida. The, the reason that Georgia, Alabama, and Clemson are the obvious top three teams in the country are not because everyone thinks, oh, Georgia's going to make the playoff. When you see every preseason top 25 have Clemson or Alabama, one, two, wherever you have them, and then Georgia, three, they're not saying these three teams are guaranteed to make the playoff. In fact, if you look at the odds for these things, a lot of people that have Georgia third in the country don't have Georgia in the playoff. Yeah. But what they're clearly saying is these three programs, because of the people that they, are, that they have in charge, Nick Saban, Debo Sweeney. I've heard about Debo Sweeney. Uh, and, and Kirby Smart are the three top program builders in college football. Yeah. And if you're not one of those dudes, if you're not, Urban Meyer was one of those yep. dudes. Uh, Jim Harbaugh, maybe? We'll see. But like the idea that like you either have those dudes or you don't have those dudes. Mullen seems to me a dude that can, like, in a Mark Richt era, can win an SEC East championship every once in a while and can go up against. But you got to be either supersonic now or, or, you're, or you're something else. And well, I don't believe that he is supersonic. To put in, ter- in golf terms, Dan Mullen is more Scott Stricker than he is... Go Illini? <laughs> right. Davis Love, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah, and Stricker was exactly who yeah. I had in mind, right? Look, I love Scott Stricker. Uh, he's an Illinois guy. I've seen him play golf at the Blue Course. But, you know, the fact of the matter is, is he is he's won a few tournaments. He's never won a major. He's scared a few majors, but he's a middle-of-the-road lifetime plugger. And you make a bet on guys. Like, like, maybe Tom Herman is one of those guys. I don't think he is, but that's what Texas was betting on. He was. To be one of those yeah. guys. Uh, he's not a... Uh, like this is the Ed Orgeron idea, right? Mm-hmm. Like this is why people are always skeptical of Ed Orgeron, even when he has a success. He doesn't seem like that level. I mean, Ed Orgeron's Sean Daly, right? Raw, 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 golf. But like, like honestly, like, like, and that's the question: Is Lincoln Riley one of those guys? That's a legitimate question. Maybe Lincoln Riley is one of those guys. I don't think anyone thinks Ed Orgeron's one of the guys, and I don't think that Dan Mullen is one of those guys. Agreed. Okay, question from Parrish Walton. Most important player, non-from category, I think it's Jay Davis. Where would, waiting since last Saturday, attack this UGA defense? Where is the weakest link? And he finally says, I'm of the opinion that offense mostly stays the same as the last two years, agree or disagree? Parrish, you only got one question. Oh, yeah. Well, okay. we answered the last one. We, yeah, I think we, we answered the last one. And I think we kind of answered the first one. I, I think you attack through the air until you... Yeah, middle, middle, short, short to mid-range yeah, passes. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. And so where's the weakest link? Is it still the... Until we know otherwise, D-backs. Or, but, the, or the receivers. Or receivers, receivers yeah. I think and so do you think that the offense mostly stays the same? I kind of think that it'll look very similar. I think that offense uh, takes a step back early, but by the end of the season looks the same. It would be amazing if they just come out and start flinging. If they if they turn the oh clip, God, I would have such a problem. Like it would be, it would be amazing. Like like this is the thing. Like hey, it, let, let's see. Is Jake from? Is is Jake from a game manager? Or is he uh, Trevor Lawrence? <laughs> Can you imagine the amount of pants <laughs> that would happen in Knoxville and Texas and College Station? And they come out in Vanderbilt and throw like fifty five times. <laughs> Can you imagine South Bend? Oh, it'd be so fun. <laughs> They'd spend the next two weeks, and in the next two weeks, they just like run the wish. Run the run <laughs> okay, sorry. So We're officially the possum offense. <laughs> I like that. All right. Uh, at Sea Dog Knight asks Is former dog quarterback Hudson Mason correct in saying our wide receivers are the biggest proverbial question mark? 
Yes. Yes. Hudson Prather is a very much, I don't know. He transferred, right? Hudson Prather. Hmm? Prather Hudson. Prather Hudson. No, Prather Hudson. Hudson. Is he okay? Of course he Prather Hudson, walk on from Columbus. He's transferred. He is here. He will be here. Like Kirby could just whack him with well, a I mean, bat but, but in the Georgia knees. But Georgia is Columbus's one true SEC team. <laughs> I, I wish that is way too many Auburn people. Uh, don't get me started. Okay, so A. Powell, eighty-three. He says, "Should we be worried about stopping the run when Davis isn't on the field? Hopefully, Tyler Clark and David Marshall are healthy. They both seemed good against the run in two thousand seventeen. I mean, we're better when he's in, but I think we're fine. If Georgia isn't stopping the run, there are larger issues. I mean, Tyler Clark, to be fair, was the Jordan Davis back in 2017. Yeah, 17, yeah. I don't know what the point of, of recruiting like this if you if you don't just get a bunch of dudes that can stop the run. <laughs> like this, That's the fundamental thing you do first. I mean, if you'll see and our pictures on the website, you know I can stop the run. Yeah. <laughs> that's what you take care of first. Everything else is kind of salad dressing. All right, I like this one. Uh, from K. Tomps, DPT. When UGA wins the Natty, you will dot dot dot. Watch the sunrise on Bourbon Street. <laughs> but, I thought you were going to give some like there. streaking thing through Bourbon Street, or no one wants, no one can handle all this. <laughs> no I, one can handle it. I will say, if they would have remember, if they would have won the national championship game, I would have watched you all celebrate it in Athens from New York because I flew the very That's next morning right. to start my show. You would have watched me celebrate it at your Airbnb yeah. because my dad and I would have walked over there. <laughs> <laughs> I kept, I kept, I kept texting. I kept getting texts all the next couple of days from being like. Yeah, the pop-up yeah, store and five so points. Prices. It's really sad. Right yeah, now. it's $5 for uh, shirts. <laughs> but uh, for me, you know, I I hope... I think a lot of it may depend on venue. This is why Atlanta would have been so perfect, right? Because yep. it would have gone on all week. And, you know, I think that a lot of it depend. I think it may depend on where it is in the vibe a little bit. I, In a way, I'm kind of glad it didn't happen in that antiseptic stadium in... Uh, in, oh, in Santa, Santa Clara last year, oh. like I think there's something to finding the right New Orleans. Obviously, would be amazing. Um, I think uh, it's Miami <gasps> a few years after that. Oh no no no! It has to be New Orleans. Yeah, New after Orleans. last year, has to be New Orleans. Well, then they better do it now. Rose Bowl's probably coming up too. <gasps> oh my God! Stop. Yeah, passing would be pretty fun. All right, so uh, underscore. I got to get that correct, so I give their handle out correctly. Underscore Silver Bridges. Says, what would be your outside of the box location for college game day for the Notre Dame game? I'd say on top of the Tate Center, which is where they did it uh, for the Tennessee game back in like '96 or LSU. It was at the uh, right on the little quad area down there. Right? Yeah, at Myers Hall, and yeah. that's where they'll put it. Yeah. I mean, it's not ideal because there's really nowhere they can set up to overlook the stadium like they like to do at many places. Maybe Reed Hall or something around there? You know, I think there might be value. The Jern School uh, is right overlooked. There's a little, there's a little, uh, I don't know, I don't know. We, we, we call it the Grady College here. I know, but I call it the Jern School. The Jern because, School. Because, well, because this is the thing is I... Well, I when other places oh, get the Peabody Awards. Yeah, every, <laughs> no, for what it's worth, just so you know the reason that I did that is because uh, Illinois is the Illinois School of Journalism and Northwestern is... And we were like, shut up. You're the Northwestern School of Journalism. So for me, when, like, it is a very self-conscious thing to do. Sure. To say, oh, we are not the majoring in journalism at Northwestern. We are Medill. So I know they, So I know people call it Grady. I know it is Grady. My wife is a graduate from Grady. But I don't call it Grady. I call it the Jern School. Well, that's between you and your wife. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of things. Um, <laughs> but actually, I wish there were more. Moving on. Uh, the point is, is um, 
Thank you. Uh, the point is, is there's a little spot because uh, right outside the German school where <clears throat> Grady, where there's like a little area where you can walk outside. Yeah. You overlook the stadium mm-hmm. right there. Mm-hmm. If you could get the German people to be involved, Maria Taylor can maybe be yeah. part of this. Yeah. Uh, the, there's a spot there. The problem is, is the fan. Like it's hard to get the fans up there. It feels like there'd be a crowd control. They don't, on the bridge. They don't care but, about fans. They're going to be a Disney. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's um, the real out of the box place I can come up with is Yukon. Did we stop recording? We didn't understand that. <laughs> <one>. <laughs> All right, I'm going to move on. <laughs> yeah. Uh, at G Key, that's with two E's, not a Y, 23. What's the one thing you would change about Sanford Stadium game day experience, not including doing something with bathrooms because everyone mentions that? I'd request that they gave us free water. Oh, Ooh. they are going to give us free water. I mean, you know, in the can't quite make it happen category is ingress and egress is a little bit of a mess. Yeah. Um, but because it's built in a valley, there's not a whole lot you can do about some of it. Um, it gets pretty hectic. Then it, does, it, does, it does. It does. It does. It really does. Um, um, yeah, I'm not sure how you. Hopefully, hopefully the new entrance at the bridge will help. Yeah, um, it's a pretty magical place, and it's hard for me. And part of it's because I'm probably too close to it, but it's hard for me to think about. Oh God, I wish this were different. I wish the orientation were different. And I didn't face the sun during <laughs> noon kickoffs, but yeah. you know. To me, the issue is less with the actual inside the stadium experience and more about. The tailgating, yeah. uh, the way they legislate that, the way they dish out passes and parking mm-hmm. and so on. I would argue that is the issue more than necessarily once you're in. Who was it that shared the article that the guy from LSU wrote? Yeah, which you did. I did. That I was did. really. Yeah, good. I read yeah, that. That was, that, was our, that was our. No, it was. Um, yeah, but it was. One of the it was. It was a poser. I think you're. I think you're on something, Will, with yeah. the way that they keep reducing the tailgating yeah. Yeah, functionality because that, that's actually, what keeps people going to games. That's a great point. Is that. For a lot of a lot of fans, myself included, tailgating is a huge part of the experience, right? I, I mean, it's I what am, made me that that more than anything is what made me fall in love with Georgia football. It's right. just an all day experience, and it's I great. mean, I show up at seven a.m. I yeah. set up the tailgate, and part of that is because I love the shared communal experience of it. And when that start gets starts getting too sanitized or too hard to do. Frankly, that may be when I stop going to every single home game. I mean, listen, I understand specifically now that I've gone to an LSU game why that would be particularly bothersome oh God, for that's LSU ama- people. Yeah, it's amazing. Because it's all corporate. It's great, but it's also all corporatized. Mm-hmm. It's all like the best. One thing, I-, I feel like it's worse LSU than it is at Georgia. I- and we were able to go to one of the few independent tailgates, yes, right? Yes, but like for the record, yeah. I went by and saw UGA Carey. Yeah, yeah. And, over she was at, and they had crappy, rented out one yes, of those, yeah. and they had it all set. And it was great. It was obviously very comfortable, but... But, I mean, what kind of environment is that when I, when I can just come in off the street from Athens and be like, well, if I just give a little money, here's, I have a better here's tailgating my, experience. Here's my, here's my $1,200. Isn't this awesome? And I have a better tailgating experience than people that have been following LSU football for yeah. 50 years. Yeah. That is a bad scene. You're seeing this more at the Grove. My yep. friend Will Henry talks about this yep. all the time. Oh, yeah. Like, like the Grove is getting worse and worse with this. We're not seeing this yet at Georgia. We're seeing it some. But you'll see it more. more. Yeah, you'll, more. you'll see it more and more. And uh, the question is whether you're okay with that. And it, this speaks to the earlier idea that like once you once you enter the game of the goal is to make as much money as possible, uh, you can't, you know, then things start to get progressively a little worse. This one comes from at Wesley Bridges, 
hey, props to be able to get your name. I mean, that's hard to get these days on on Twitter. You know, your actual name. I'm sure there's I mean, he's been he's been on Twitter since '06. Probably so. Which UGA players are most likely to have a breakout year? Or is there one maybe flying under the radar that's going to get our attention this coming season? I'm I'm going to stop saying the word Samir White. So Aziz Ojolari. I, I just think he's having a huge year. Um, potentially leads the team in sacks. Um, three to five interceptions. I just, you know, all SEC. I think he's good there. I what think about, he's there. What about junior Nate McBride, who's one of the fastest guys on the team playing linebacker? I mean, he's going to be something else on special teams. He just hasn't cracked the, the depth chart. Right. Um, I don't like the idea that someone named Nate is really fast. Just don't like it. It's Nathan. At Kyle Herring 24, what's a common opinion among the Georgia fan base with which you disagree, find annoying, or is just overkill? Examples could be, we got to be run first, we're RBU, or obsession with natties. Understandable, but to the cost of having fun sometimes. I have a good uh, while you're thinking, Tony, because I can tell you the thing on something. I, I mean, I, well, I, we literally just ran into this before the Sugar Bowl. Uh, which is the idea that the players are here uh, in in some sort of massive debt to the university or to the coaches or to the program. The idea that um, if you sit out a game, a bowl game, to make sure that your draft stock, we say draft stock, what you're really saying is the ability to actually make money at the game that you have dedicated your entire life to is what you're really saying when you say draft stock. Um, I think that... Because we are so close to Georgia football and because uh, it means so much, uh, you forget sometimes that these are actual teenagers and, uh, and, and kids who, um, whatever, I, we don't have to get into a pay-the-players debate, but certainly are putting their minds and bodies on the line every week for something that they are not currently allowed to make a living at. And I think that and that's not just a Georgia problem, but I do. I did, I saw a lot of that uh, heading up uh, for the Sugar Bowl. Of uh, uh, who was the former player that had the whole thing about that? DeAndre Baker said out. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, there was a former player that wrote that piece for Dog Nation. Oh, it was yeah, uh, and back. I forget who it was, but like there was a guy. Like to me, that is that's when college football becomes toxic. When Tim start, Worley. Was it Worley? Yeah. Well, I don't know. that. I don't remember. But I don't, I'm not sure it was him. But the point is, is that, like, when you start acting like these players, these kids who have often come, who, this, this, to have this, this is their one chance, man. This is, and the idea that somehow they need to be grateful and understand what they have uh, is, uh, I see a lot of that. And uh, that's not my favorite. It's and this might get in your uh, kitchen a little bit, Scott, but this is not a widely held opinion as much as the um, tendency to want to pour mouth because of Munson. Um, look, I I love Larry Munson <laughs> as much as any of y'all. Munson, we talked about him. this on the... Uh, yeah, it's like we're predicting uh, the future. Ed Kilgore uh, on coming. the... Did you really? He talked about Munsoning a right. ton. Right, I, I loved I love Larry Munson. Um, and part of this is I'm a naturally optimistic person, but I don't get the natural tendency to assume failure. I don't get the natural tendency to assume bad things will come. Like the curse of Atlanta I, I don't sports. believe in curses. Yeah. Um, and, and that, frankly, gets to be annoying at times. 
Well, if the Falcons and Dogs lose on the same weekend, you're going to hear it from me. <laughs> For what it's worth, Atlanta United won a championship and therefore broke the curse. Uh, I'm with you. I, I don't subscribe to that. I know, but you're wrong. <laughs> All right, we're going to move on before we They're break out again this fight. year too. We're so going to start fighting. They're going to win again this year too. I'm in, I thought Wes. Uh, uh, I thought Wes Blankenship put it good, where he said they didn't have the original sin because he quoted Jeff Hollinger saying that, and I kind of that really He's, made sense to me. Sure, but you know what? We all have uh, different temperaments, talents, and convictions. There you go. So. People like to be unhappy, <laughs> and and I think there's something to that, <laughs> to be honest. And uh, so go on. All right. At Elko Dog. And that's not Dog D O G, that's Dog D A W G, in case y'all want to follow him. Outside of Fromm, who is the most important player on this team? We need to achieve the Natty. That I read, I broke my, but you you get what I mean. Um, Is there any more important player in the top five other than Jake? Haven't we answered that? Yeah, I think we have. Yeah, I think we have. Good question. Thanks for the question, though. All right. At Fear the Shaco. I think that's Captain Pablo. Pa- yes, my man Paul. What's George's most Wait, likely? Paul, not plus. Oh, okay, not plus. What's George's most likely loss? He puts in brackets. I Auburn. like this question. Yeah, it's a good question. He guesses Auburn. Who will finish second in the SEC East? Not Florida. Missouri. I like both of these questions. I think Missouri is the second best team. Easy. I wouldn't say easy. Florida is still at the preseason top ten. Maybe over overhyped. We'll see. We got week with zero. We're not doing any game. We're not predicting. No, we, we will do this game quickly because it's on fun office polls okay. this week. Oh, it are. So we, do we need to all go in and do the fun office? You polls? should. Yes, okay. I, I sent links out. Okay. Uh, I have the I have the bookmark. I just didn't know this. Yes, week it is. It okay. is. And this game's on there. And is we, Arizona Hawaii on there? Yep. Okay. No. 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 So there's you only have, one game. Yeah, Miami. I'm I'm committed to keep it to ten or so games. I know, but like, there's only one game this week. Is this week, you have Miami. We have a lot no. of questions left. Sorry, sorry. that's fine. <laughs> But okay, to me the most likely loss is Missouri. Is Missouri. Yes, I I think. What was the question? No, the most Missouri likely, second, se- yeah. second place. The most likely loss. A and M. I feel Auburn? like A and M is maybe that. I still feel like Notre Dame is a is a scary. Auburn's game at Auburn, so I'm gonna I'm gonna go with you, uh, Captain. We are all underrating the difficulty of that Notre Dame game. No, I'm not. I'm just yeah. saying that there are tougher games. Yeah. All right, at Jason Wright, do you think? Georgia will continue its domination of the East by winning every conference game by at least two touchdowns. If not, who do you think breaks that streak? Conference or division? He says conference. I suspect he means division. Conference. Um, Um, If it gets broken, I don't think it's this year. I just don't. Do you think they lose? Are you saying the two touchdowns or are you saying they lose one? No, I don't think they lose a division game this year. I know, but do you think they they win one by fewer than two touchdowns? Yes. Oh, two touchdowns? Sure. I mean, it's possible. I mean, it's yeah, possible they probably. Be, I mean, Missouri could be. I mean, Vanderbilt could Missouri be. Missouri could be. Possible Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt could be two touchdowns, right? Yeah. I don't. But yeah, I. They will. There will be a game. All right. So at Stephen Manor, and that's Stephen with a PH, not a V. So Thank maybe you. it's Stephen Manor. Stephen. Stephen. It's a nice place to live, Stephen Manor. Trust me. It's my second favorite neighborhood. Is there a scenario where Georgia and Alabama meet for the SEC title, both undefeated? Yes. And the loser still makes the playoffs over an undefeated Power 5 champion. No. Hold up. No. Like Memphis. Say Memphis. No, wait. No, sorry. Okay, that's a group of five. Say Washington. Washington. Um, I predicted there's a possibility of Iowa State winning the Big 12. Um, If Iowa State wins the Big 12, because I remember looking at their schedule and thinking like, okay, they have Iowa. Here's our out-of-conference schedule. Northern Iowa, Iowa, ULM. 
you know, they will have beaten Oklahoma probably twice. They will have beaten Texas. No way. Just yeah. no way. The, to me, the better example is that's not that's not uh, you're someone probably not from wrong. the Pac-12. To I, me, someone yeah, from yeah, the Pac-12. Yeah, but like Oregon schedule, and they play Oklahoma State, and yeah. they play. But Hawaii. what if it's Washington? What if Washington goes undefeated? What if you? What if a, so? What's Washington's out? What if Utah goes undefeated? Okay, I, I have Utah's bookmark because I was th- I, I remember thinking that too earlier. I just think even BYU, politically Northern speaking, Illinois, I, Idaho State. There's no way. Yeah, that's... Politically speaking, you just can't do it. You right. Can't, you can't have a Power 5 team go undefeated and not make it. No. You just can't do it. It's not going to happen. Steven also ends it saying, Love the podcast. I live in D.C. And it transports me back to Athens for a sweet but far too short hour or so. Well, Steven, you're going to get your wish because this one's going way over. This is the Big Georgia Preview Show. Big Georgia um, preview. All right. At Nick underscore J with two Y's. What is one game that we're overlooking? Well, obviously, you and I are overlooking Notre Dame. Yeah. I think um, yeah, clearly I, I, no one is talking about the Notre Dame game at um, all. You know, it hasn't come up in any conversation in Athens. I think, the I, think the sh- I think the short answer is Missouri. Yeah, I think I agree. I think Missouri. And I feel like Texas A&M, just because I know it's a big game with them coming in, but... It's weird. We don't think of Texas A&M. In Are we overlooking Tennessee because they have Jim, Jim Chaney and we're going to – I don't know. I'm just saying. They play BYU. I mean, like that has anything to do with it? I mean, this is kind of the thing, though. When you're Georgia, you are the biggest you're game on everyone else's yeah. schedule. Yeah. So they are going to be amped for that game. And you just can't help but not be amped for every game like they are. And that's the Senator's best shot theory, right? Yeah. Right, right. All right. So at Ryan Lee, 54-33. I wonder if that's his birthday, May 4th, 1933. Probably not. Who has a better freshman season statistically, George Pickens or Nolan Smith? Ooh, it's hard to compare the two because they're on opposite sides of the ball. But and I think statistically, it's, I mean, I guess it, yeah, I mean, statistically, I, Pickens because they'll have more stats. I think Pickens, yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, Pickens probably does. But impact wise, I can see Smith. Yeah. Impact-wise? Not statistically, but impact-wise? I can definitely... Well, yeah. But so, how I mean, about... When you uh, look at, no, but when you, when you look at... I mean, there's a world where neither of them are the most impactful true freshmen. Oh, right? no question. Um, but, I mean, that's Trayvon Walker. Right. Um, but I, but I, I think the question is statistically, and statistically yeah. the answer is obviously Pickens. I think it's Pickens. Yeah, but a lot of stats. At Ben underscore dots. Hey, guys, love the show. For the UGA Questions podcast, what are the chances Fromm stays for his senior year? Thanks and go, dogs. I think it's very simple. I mean, you and Emerson. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. Well, if he has a breakout season, the dogs win the national championship or they go 12-1 and or whatever. And statistically, he wins the Davey O'Brien Award and is in the top five of the Heisman or top ten even. And he's going to be a guaranteed first-round pick. Why wouldn't he go? I don't even think he needs all of that to be a first-round pick. I think no, he no, needs, of course not. I th- but I, if he feels like he's he hits seventy-two percent of his passes, he's going first round. I'm just saying that, like, if you are telling yourself that, oh, if Fromm loses in the SEC championship game or loses in the playoffs, he's going to feel obliged to come back, even if he's a first-round pick. You're crazy. That's not what's happening. And <laughs> He'll feel obliged to come back if he's a fourth round pick. Yeah, He'll be obliged to come back and wave at halftime. Yeah, right, you know, right. for a, and, a game I, next and, season. And you know, we talked about this with Seth. People try to compare this to the Chubb Sony thing because they came back that extra year. But for the record, they came back that extra year. They because were not guaranteed it first round. Extremely helped their draft choices. Yes. If, if Jake from Jake from uh, is a fool if he is a first round pick and does not come back. Yep. If right. he's the first round pick and comes back. Um, at Jason Wright again, 
He says, per David Wunderlich at year two of Gator Country, Florida will only have about 60 scholarship players available at Miami. We'll have to leave 18 scholarship kids home when we go to Vandy. Explain to me the national narrative about how Mullen is closing the gap. I can't. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's a good. People, I think people want it to happen. It's interesting story, yeah. and that's it. I, I mean, imagine I'm, again it's week zero. Imagine if Miami wins that game. That'd be awesome. That changes. We're going to predict it in a minute. So all sorts of business over there. At Booby Miles eighty three, how does the offensive line unit stack up historically at UGA? Will a star emerge on the D line, or will this be a deep group of very good players? Top three offensive line. Potentially the best ever. I mean, there's a world where eventually Jordan Davis becomes the one of the best defensive linemen we've ever had, but I think it's just a deep group today. At Yagi Slayton, in the spirit of do more, what is the one offensive and one defensive feature that we would look back on as the catalyst of winning the 2019-2020, whenever it's played, national championship? If the secondary becomes amazing... Like if they if if everybody blossoms to their peak value, that's a the top secondary in the country. And I think also if those receivers don't focus as much on trying to catch the ball as they do downfield blocking to spring runs like DeAndre Swift had against Auburn in twenty seventeen. I can't argue with that. At Maverick twenty two eighty, what is the one area that we will be able to point to as the weakness if UGA doesn't win the SEC or fails to make the playoff? Offense, defense, special teams, in game coaching? Um, Probably in-game coaching. And I don't mean to say that that's like a weakness for the team, but if they get close in the SEC championship game and lose, it will be easy to point to a decision because that's how football works. If if it's a season-long thing, it's lack of development in the defensive backfield. I think this is uh, Tony's burner account. At Vinegar Barbecue Dog. <laughs> if Jake Fromm does not win a national championship this year, would you rank above or below David Green and or Aaron Murray in UGA quarterback history? Hopefully, this is a moot point at the end of the year. Go dogs. Neither of them won a Rose Bowl. Oh, good point. At Rim Lam Lap Rim Lapment. I think that's his name backwards, Tim Palmer. I got I see what you did there, Tim. <laughs> Rim Lapment. With Jarvis joining the staff, Jarvis Jones joining the staff, uh, who are some ideal former players you'd like to see groomed under our current staff, specifically Pittman or dog or non-dog? He said specifically Pittman or a dog or non-dog. And just some former player. Ooh, that's a good question. I think Heinz Ward is kind of jumping into the coaching, isn't he? From what I saw with the Dolphins. Oh, the way I understood the question is, what what former dog would you like to see groomed under Pittman or our current coaching staff? Sure. Let's go with that. What's Aaron Murray up to these days? He's on CBS. He, he does, does CBS does Sports uh, Sports Network, Network games. That's right. yeah, he does um, Air Force versus New Mexico. Right, right, right. At Eric underscore street. More yards. Swift or Harrion and Cook or Zeus? Together? Swift or Harrion, Cook or Zeus? More yards, Swift and Cook. Swift and Cook together. Wait, yes. so right. Yeah, as a pair. So yeah, I think I agree with that. At Blake Giles, another query, and Scott will love this one. It is disingenuous for Kirby to outfit recruits in black jerseys when they are visiting. Oh, he said, is it? I'm sorry. Is it disingenuous uh, when they are visiting without ever letting the team wear them? My suggestion, declare first home night game as a blackout no matter the opponent. I'll go ahead and answer it, Blake. I love the black jerseys, but 
I don't care anymore. You know, I've kind of lost the fight. I think they should wear it. I think it's completely up to Kirby whether he wakes up and says, you know what, we're going to wear black jerseys. I think they're coming maybe this year or next year, but I would not want to see it versus Notre Dame. I'd like to see it this year for Kentucky or Missouri if it's a night game. That's it. What if you wore them uh, during the uh, the Mercedes-Benz game every three years, like Virginia next year? That's fine. I mean, but it should be a home thing. I know, but what if that's that's his compromise? It, I've kind of I feel like it's these are like kind of like trivial arguments I have with my kids, and eventually I'm just like I don't care anymore. I do love it. Every time Emerson gets asked this question, of course he's asked asked all a lot. He's like, I'm telling you right now. There is nothing that Kirby Smart cares about less. <laughs> like, like I get like, and I, I maybe he should, but uh, he yeah. uh, and all these people on Twitter saying like black jerseys for Notre Dame. I mean, that yeah. ain't happening. And if they do, I'm going to be disappointed if they wear black jerseys for Notre Dame. And Kirby's right behind me about how much he cares. Yeah, I care a little bit more than that. At Rhino Redhawk, if Tony had to feed a good sized tailgate. <laughs> But has to have everything catered and nothing homemade. What restaurant is he calling and what is he ordering? Well, first off, that's not happening. So I have actually thought about this question a lot. And if we're, if calls for no option, and it's not that you shouldn't go to this place. It's just that they are a little pricey. It would probably be Champies um, here in town. I love their fried chicken. I love their sides, um, how they put together stuff. If it were to be – if calls for an option – Seriously, we, I would seriously consider Hot Thomas Barbecue. Um, I'm a big fan. Was there Saturday? I'm a big fan of the barbecue. I'm a big fan of their sides. Um, but there's any number of barbecue places in town. For that matter, I'd hit Wilson's, who now run the commissary at Piedmont on Prince Avenue. They do a very good job as well. I would say El Barrio. I would say The Root. And I would say Five Points Bottle Shop. Obviously, I would go to Five Points Bottle Shop for the bourbon, which is where we went tonight. Yeah, we get all of our bourbon at Five Points Bottle Shop. Ding! At 607 Takeover, are there examples of athletes returning to top form after two ACL injuries? Uh, the first thing I thought of was uh, Taysom Hill. Yeah, Taysom Hill. I mean, he's tearing it up for the Saints as a backup quarterback and can do just about everything. He's, he, he's had like three I think. And I think Boss Bailey had a couple. Did he? Okay. Yeah. Uh, I think he's probably asked that because of Zamir White with his two. But anybody that saw Nick Chubb's injury, what, three, four years ago? Uh, And the fact that he's doing what he's doing? uh, That would have been four years ago. (laughs) It also helps, too. Sorry, Will. Yeah. With Zamir White, like it helps when you're like, 19. It doesn't <laughs> hurt. Like, it doesn't hurt. heal a lot faster than, Well, say, the first time, 17. Might. Right, right. Like, if we do. He also wants to know, who will start at quarterback for both teams on September 19th, 2020? Yeah, that's a big question uh, that I don't know if we can I think it's a little Tagovailoa. How do you say it? Tagovailoa? Tagovailoa. Yeah. I think the younger guy of that. And then maybe Dwan Mathis. TBD. TBD. At Mark underscore J underscore Mathis. Yes, you have something else? I swear I won't go along with this. I, I was thinking earlier when, when Will was going on about uh, next year and whatever, uh, how we look at this. I've been able to partition in my mind this season and separate it out from whatever happens next. I'm going to Tuscaloosa, right? I, I've never been to a game in Alabama. I'm joining I'm you going. on that trip. Yeah. We, you and I have already talked about this. I'm going. 
frankly, I'll worry about 2020 after whatever our last game is. Yeah. At Mark underscore J underscore Mathis, how much of the expectations Will has mentioned around Kirby needing to win a title in the next few years or else? Driven by the terse transaction, sorry, that was Tony, transaction-based relationship he has with the media. I to me, a, it feels like a media-driven narrative versus reality with fans. It's a great question. I think it's a legitimate question. I mean, I, we, I've talked about this before, and I'm sure it's probably what he's referring to. The media are, like, for better or worse, whether you think it's fair or not, uh, I would argue most of it's not fair. I think that the idea that that uh, um, the media should be catered to should be absolutely irrelevant uh, into what the media actually thinks of a thing. But it does matter. And that decision, uh, when it turns, it turns, right? Like when it turns, it turns. And it requires... Um, uh, th- I would say that he has not built up a lot of goodwill. Now, that doesn't matter if he wins, it doesn't matter at all if he wins. Nick Saban has not built up a bunch of goodwill, but it doesn't matter. So if he wins, it doesn't matter. But if he if he doesn't or things turn, it's going to be an issue for him. And it isn't. Whether you think it's fair or whether you think it's not fair, it's, a, it's just a fact of the way that college football works and the way that college football has always worked. At Southern underscore Shepherd, you hey. have to pick, huh? I know that's That guy. I think we, his like, name's Lee. we like him. Lee, yeah, he's a frequent tweeter. You have to pick one game to win in blowout fashion and one game to lose in a last second heartbreak. What do you choose? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, I mean, Florida for a blowout fashion. To lose? I don't like the second one at all. To lose in a heartbreak? Not Auburn. Uh, Vanderbilt. <sighs> Vanderbilt. Oh, first game of the season. Will, Vanderbilt. No. no <laughs> Vanderbilt. No, because then no. it's... Well, then game day won't show no. up. But then everybody's... No. Se- whatever. Mm-hmm. Then everybody's yeah. serious the rest of the way. Like, talk about like... No, lose at Notre Dame. Lose versus Notre Dame. And a, and a loss. Heartbreaker to Notre Dame. Yeah. The Notre Dame schedule is not that tough this year, and you lose the benefit that we talked about the undefeated Power Five. Vanderbilt teams. would be uh, an albatross. No. All year if we no. lost them. I can't. I can't. I can't. I, no, I, I would, just can't agree with that. Uh, my argument for Vanderbilt would be that would be the first. That would be as much of a wake up call for everyone. If something's wrong with the program and we don't know about it, and I doubt that's the case, but if something is wrong and it's just not getting out, that would be the big red flashing sign that it's the case and therefore would give them time to correct it. If they lose to Vanderbilt and win every game the rest of the year, they are still in a position, they're still going to win the national, they're still going to win the national championship. I, I just, I, I, look, I, I still have, I still have terrible memories from, Walking into the clubhouse at Stone Creek Golf Course in Urbana, Illinois, when I first moved to Champaign, and getting a call from Jason and Wayne at the stadium that we had lost to to, to Vanderbilt. Right? I, I just can't. I can't. I can't. I can't. I just can't. I can't go there. That's the question too. Like, is there a strategy way of losing? Like to me, the strategy way. If you pick one game to lose, the game you don't want it to be is the SEC championship game. No, no, that that, that game's Notre Dame. Yeah. And that, that's why I picked See, Notre Dame. I disagree because if, because if you if let's say your one loss is Notre Dame, if Notre Dame goes undefeated, they've got your spot. Even if they lose once, they've probably got your Not spot. Not if we win the rest of the games. Yeah, yeah, you're right. If we, if we go eleven and one and win that CC championship, we're in the playoffs. Right, right. We might be the four seed, but what do we care? Right, right. Fair, enough, fair. Enough. Just don't lose, jerks. Yeah. Don't lose, guys. <laughs> 
at Billy Joyner, much is made of the structural transition from Mark Rick to Kirby Smart. Examples, Buttsmere spending, recruiting, etc. Kirby Smart has made a lot of upgrades. I wonder if any of you see any structural weaknesses in the current program that needs addressing. I don't. Uh, I mean, now that I can think public of Public relations. Public relations. Yeah, I'm sorry. It's, it matters. It's, it's better than it was. It matters. It matters. And, and it, is, it, it is a mistake, in my opinion. And to be fair, I am a member of the media, so keep you, that in mind. You have opinions. Yeah. But um, teams, and particularly universities, underestimate the goodwill of being friendly to media. To me, Jim Beheim is the best example of this. Jim Beheim has losing seasons all the time. He has scandals. He has all sort. He has all sorts of bad things happen all the time. But the fact is, every single media person can call Jim Beheim on his cell phone, and he will talk to them every time and be upfront with them every time. So Jim Beheim gets away with everything. Jim Bayon had a freaking child abuse scandal on his on his staff and they didn't touch him. And they didn't touch him because Jim Bayon understands in the same way that like Phil Mickelson is the, probably the golf example of this. Phil Mickelson, you can get I could get Phil Mickelson on the phone right now if I wanted to because he is a media friendly person who understands the value of doing that. Uh, and it gives you a ton of goodwill, it gives you a ton of margin for error and right and what happens is when teams think that they are bigger and that's beneath them to do that. When things go wrong, they have no backers. Now, if things don't go wrong, you're fine. It doesn't matter. You don't need the media. But when things go wrong, you need people that with goodwill toward you, fair or otherwise. And I don't think Georgia cares about that. And I think if, if nothing goes wrong, it doesn't matter. But if things do go wrong, you'll wish you would have done that. Kirby doesn't care about that. <laughs> I know. And it's fine. As Will's not as wrong. I, agree. I think I agree with Will. Yeah. But like to me, Jim Mayhem is the perfect example of this. If he treated the media the way that Kirby Smart treated the media, he'd have been uh, gone 15 years ago. I mean, we have a football example much closer in that Davos Winnie. Yeah, yeah, right. Media, he's very, he's very media. I mean, friendly. he, I mean, it, you, know, you, you wrote yeah, the article you I wrote, did. and he didn't exactly get a pass on it, but yeah. he got a lot of rope. But absolutely. So. And our friend Bernie Dog chimes in. He wants to know, how many touchdowns does our defense outscore Bama's entire offense by in this year's SEC championship game? <laughs> all the all, – are, are we talking little defenses or full-size defenses? <laughs> all the touchdowns. And then the, um, the, the food questions and everything comes in from Paris Walton. If someone suggested that a newcomer to Athens checked out the following three restaurants and bars, are you giving them a thumbs up or thumbs down? Nothing too fancy. Food, the world famous. Yes. Cali and Tito's. Yes. White Tiger. Yes. Bar, Walker's Pub. Eh. I'd give it a thumbs up. I mean, it's I'd, fine. It, you right. can get coffee or beer. Right. Um, I, I mean, I, I like the fact that you get coffee or beer. Yeah. Uh, they got great Wi-Fi, too. The Old Pal. Yes. Yes. Very pro. Trapeze. It's fine. I like trapeze. Yeah, their uh, their raspberry ketchup is something to behold. Yeah. That's so. I would also say take. that my, some of my favorite places are El Barrio and the Pine, the, the Pueblo Main, and the Five Points Bottle Shop. What about the bowling alley? Ding. Yeah. He also wants to know best wings in Athens. 
you know, strangely, you think I would know this. Um, I'm not a wing person. I, I am a huge okay. wing, person. wing person. I still love Locos. Have you tried Dobie's wings? Of course. They're good. So, all right. How many more do we have? Just, just a few. 28. Right. Trust me. We're, we're over. I'm going to break this up into two episodes. Sure. Right. Because we're over two hours. Yeah. Uh, well, all right. Well, in that case, allow me to so, go on a civil Since you brought that up. Sea <laughs> um, uh, Dog Knight also wants to know the best, best pizza in Athens. That's a hard question because there's such, Pepinos, such a variety. I mean, um, I'm a huge little Italy fan. I would um, say Pepino's. I, for the record, I like yeah. your pie. <laughs> your like pie's I, fine. I think your yeah. pie's really good. Yeah. And, but I would say my favorite is probably Pepino's. Um, I love. I would uh, say the Earth Fairs pizza is unusually good. Actually, it's I love a better than I would have thought. I love. Uh, I love automatic. Um, and I actually kind of like fully loaded the new place of five points. Fully loaded, it's yeah. better than I thought it was. I thought the old Waffle they House. They have good wings too. Because I know some people don't like to go specifically because it's the old Waffle House that gives them. They they've the, had a one in Watkinsville for a while. Yeah. And I'm a fan. Yeah, they're good. And uh, at Wow Wow Cool tweets, what's the stupidest thing you've ever done? Ooh, see, we don't have time for this. <laughs> it's like a spam. Uh, I know he's um, tweeted before. Okay. The really short answer is go I, to I, I responded back saying starting this podcast. <laughs> uh, go to a White Sox game. Um, the stupidest thing I've ever done, I mean. I can't say. Will, come on. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. I think we all agree that we can't say. Yeah. I mean, the most <laughs> awesome thing I've ever done is I had Old Smokey by the collar head in my car in 1990. <laughs> yeah. uh, no, 1989. Seriously, that's a true story. And. I got called. Thing, I got called and was invited not to come back. This I can actually. I'll actually give an answer to this. The stupidest thing I've ever done was go on national television and say <laughs> the internet is a good place <laughs> where the cream rises to the top, and the internet will ultimately be the next stage in human evolution and allow us all to be our best selves. That's the stupidest thing I've ever done. And seen. Okay. A um, couple of podcast reviews here. That was it? That's all the last one? Yeah. Okay, that was like yeah. I, do, I do want to put a plug in for Fun Office Pools, and oh, yeah. we should do quick review, sure. a quick uh, pick of the U, you have the UF Miami game. Or I guess I do. Yeah, just one game. Oh, it's just, okay. Yeah, we'll do, we'll do the rest of the games next week. All right, so what are we doing? Let's do the podcast reviews. Okay, we'll do that. I clicked off. Oh, here we go. So this is from hashtag dog law. The title is "Them Dogs as Hell, Don't They?" and it cut off, so I didn't get the end of it. So, but he gave us a five star review. He said, "This is the best UGA football podcast starring Will, Tony, and Scott that I am aware of. It's probably better <laughs> than that others. Like a That's a backhanded compliment. <laughs> it's probably better than others of which I am blissfully unaware. Suffice to say that upon the release of each episode, I have been waiting since the last, waiting since last Saturday. <laughs> That's like very it. clever. That's I like that. Clever. This next one, this is this might be Will." Maybe his uh, burner account on iTunes. I have no burners account. Manabana Joe. The title is Will is a National Treasure. He is a National Treasure. Five-star review. We agree with this. Love this podcast. I'm a Midwest girl who married a a Georgia. Who married a Georgia boy. (laughs) It's pronounced (laughs) Georgia. 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 Georgia type of grass. Uh, I'm a Midwest girl who married a Georgia boy and therefore married into a UGA family. This is my sixth season as a full-fledged fan, and this podcast has easily become my favorite. I really enjoy Will's take as an Athens transplant as I move to Roswell and spend my weekends in Athens at my in-laws now. Really hope to meet you all in person this season. All right. I, we need, that's likewise. a very nice review. We need, we need to talk. We, uh, are we, gonna, we should do a, 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 a meetup at some a point. A meetup at some yeah. point. Yeah. 
The, ske- the back-ended schedule makes it both easier and harder. Imagine after Texas A&M. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say, that makes it that's like a, almost maybe too crazy to do after Texas A&M. We'll yeah, see. we should talk to some places, maybe in Five Points, and see if there's places we, we should get together. We should talk to perhaps El Barrio, El Barrio, maybe? Or The Pine. The Pine. Or Five Points Bottle Shop. That's yeah. Ding! All right, uh, this came via an email. It's kind of a podcast review. Um, it says, Howdy, y'all. I wanted to write into the show to express my appreciation for the content and ask a few questions. I accidentally submitted a review under my former iTunes handle, Captain Halifax, but we'll be sending in another review in hopes of widening the audience for y'all. A quick note again, I am floored that, that three working fathers take time out of their busy schedules and lives to help personify and articulate some of the narrative points that embody the diverse group that is the Bulldog Nation. I worked all through my double dog career and never went to a Georgia game until the Rose Bowl, thanks to an unparalleled kindness and generosity of our friends and wedding party. And as a Georgia transplant out in Santa Barbara, California, the podcast helps me feel like I'm still back home while living in a largely college football apathetic part of the country. Thanks to Scott for all the production and heart. Thanks to Tony for all the earnestness and measured perspective. Thanks to Will for giving a damn about more than the bottom line in his writing and content without sacrificing an iota of quality. And thanks again to y'all's folks for lending you to the listeners much obliged. Also, also, I know I've tweeted this at y'all before, but I definitely remember serving y'all in the chaos that was the grindhouse in Athens during the Men's World Cup 2014 (laughs) when the podcast was dreamed up, I believe, even though it was 2015. I think it was the Women's World Cup. And so I'll be expecting my royalties any day now. A joke, he said. And next time time I'm in town for a game, I'm making it a point to bring y'all a bottle of bourbon, but not makers. Sorry, not sorry. Fair enough. What is dog may never die? Signed Timothy, chairman of the Hunker Games. That's good, man. What a great review. Yeah, I I think I actually do remember this guy. Yeah, by the way, if you knew our kids, you would understand. Yeah, yeah. Thanks. Not Will's kids. His kids are awesome. My kids are very well behaved. And then one more. Hey guys, we'd like to add a triple bound box of Chapel Bell Victory Cigars from Southern Tab to the prize of Waiting Since Last Saturday College Pool winner. On a side, I realize not all of you enjoy a cigar, but do drink a little bourbon. I don't hate that. Check out the 13th Colony Bourbon from a distillery out of South Georgia. I have no affiliation with them, but to note, I've had their Southern Rye Whiskey, and it is excellent. Furthermore, last year at the Southern Whiskey Society event in Nashville, Tennessee, it was voted the best pairing with our cigars, for whatever that means. It's going to be a great season. Go dogs! Sign Michael Peters, owner of Southern Tab Cigars. Is that the folks that, that, that sent us the cigars a couple of years ago? Yep. Awesome. Yep. So he's going to send us so a box. So the winner <clears throat> of our college football pick and pull, along with the stickers and a coaster and an empty bottle of bourbon, they're going to get cigars. There's no chance to get a whole box. We're going to try to add on to this to where there's literally this huge box that we got to send via FedEx. <laughs> okay, I'll, I'm I'll glad look. you brought up Pick'em. So I have sent out uh, invitations to everybody that's participated. In the past, I have posted this to my Twitter at Tyler I've also posted to the WSLS podcast Twitter. You got some time to get in. We only have one game this week, uh, the UF Miami so game. So how does it work? It's just one point? That's right. Just one point. Okay, okay. That's one point. Although I do have the games listed in turn. No, I'm sorry. It's not one point uh, because I have the games listed start, uh, starting at kickoff. Mm. So it's 
I think it's 12 points because we're doing confidence points. It's the top game. So if you miss the first game, you miss the most so number of points. So week zero and week one are combined. In the that's right. Got that's it. right. Okay. Week zero and week one are combined. UF and Miami is the first game to kick off. It will close first. Which fun little game for week zero. It I is not say. terrible. So It's early start, 7 o'clock? We're at about 100 people right now. Guys, get in this thing. It's going to be fun. We'll... Uh, We'll acknowledge the the weekly winners every week on the podcast. It will be the games we pick every week. Uh, but because uh, they're playing in week zero, I feel compelled to talk about this game just for a second. Just for a second, Scott. Don't worry. Don't worry. <laughs> Scott, who you got? <laughs> I'm still here. Who do you have? <laughs> oh. He is here physically. I'm going to pick Miami. Uh, I think they're going to be surprised. I think it would be really fun if Miami win because all sorts of madness happens after that. I don't see it though. I don't, I don't think that works. I think I'm picking Florida. Yeah. So here's the thing about this game: is that Will um, Will's right. Um, Thank you. With the As new always. with the new <laughs> with the with the new coach and Manny Diaz, uh, a freshman starting quarterback, it's hard to pick Miami. Strangely enough, Miami has more depth than Florida. Florida's going to play with something stupid like 71 or two. Scholarship players. See, that feels like a November problem. And, and that is a November problem. an August problem. That is a November problem. But here's the thing. They've lost three starters for injuries and two more starters to the transfer portal. I think it's a close game. I think I think Miami wins it. Wow. And it kicks I'm off the Manny to take Diaz. I'm an early lead. Oh, wow. That's fine. That's fine. It, to, to, to kick off the Manny Diaz era yeah. at Miami. So we have one. I guess you're going to split these up into two. Scott is Scott, Scott is 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 oh, asleep. Scott has gone bye bye. Uh, yeah, please leave a message. Uh, but we uh, we will be back. We're, we're taping Monday uh, next week. Uh, next whenever, Monday. whenever it was you said. I'll still be working on this. <laughs> the point is, is uh, our, we will preview the Vanderbilt game, and then we Guys, have we have real football shows. We have bi weekly shows moving forward. Uh, um, we have exciting some exciting stuff. partnerships coming up. Mm-hmm. We have yes. some. <laughs> we have some exciting, also some other uh, exciting other stuff going on. I cannot overstate. Uh, look, I, I think I've told y'all. I don't know if I said this on the podcast, but I got into June and July. I was like, I don't understand why I'm not excited about the season. And then when media day started, I was like, Oh, I'm excited, and I suddenly realized that. What I have been feeling in prior years was not excitement as much as apprehension. I'm not apprehensive about this year. We did not actually predict what Georgia was going to do this year. We stayed away from it last year at the SEC, uh, the SEC preview. I don't think there's any doubt that all of us are picking Georgia to win the SEC East. There's, I don't think there's any. Uh, if something has gone horribly wrong. Sound right? Yeah. Scott? It's hard for me to look at the schedule and not see 12 wins. Um, I, eleven and one, eleven and one's in the range. I'm not not pretending like it's not. Um, but I think I do agree with Will. Anything less than playing the SEC championship game, I think it's, it's going to be a bummer unless we have injury. And even that we have injury, it's going to be a bummer. It's just to be more understandable. Um, so if, if they have, if if Jake Fromm gets hurt and they still make the SEC championship game, this season has actually been joyous. It'll be something else, right? Um, so. I'm willing to make the prediction we're having a podcast about the SEC championship game sometime the first week in December. Mm-hmm. Frankly, it feels like we're we're talking about either the Cotton Bowl or the I'm sorry, the Fiesta Bowl or the Chick-fil-A Bowl. I wouldn't be surprised seeing a Texas Georgia rematch in uh, New Orleans again. 
Just, just saying. That is bold. Well, for that is crying bold. out loud. Considering I said watch, Oklahoma and Iowa State are playing. Watch and, the freaking bull, man. It still makes me angry. Um, all right, fellow humans, uh, we'll be back uh, next week with the actual preview of an actual physical football game. Go dogs. Go dogs. And thanks so much for listening. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at WSLS Podcast. You can do the same for Instagram and Facebook. Same handle. Remember to sign up for the fun office pools and get your pick in for the Florida versus Miami game. We'll be back next week with our Georgia versus Vanderbilt preview show. We have real football and real games to talk about. And we'll see you on campus in a couple weeks for the first home game versus Murray State. Have a great weekend and go dogs.